0: Dowler from Bureau 42. And I'm David Walker from Who True Freaks. And no consoles for old men over on
1: the 2 True Freaks Network.
0: And this is the first official 2 True Freaks Bureau 42 podcast crossover.
1: We're here to talk about a certain series of games that has been around for 30 years now, celebrating its anniversary this year.
0: Yes, on December 18th, 1987, we will have the exact 30th anniversary of Final Fantasy, a series best known for intricate plots, compelling character arcs, innovative gameplay mechanics, a need for strategy, fantastic music, and a few recurring themes, creatures, and character names. Yes, a lot of those. Do you reckon we could get someone called Sid to show up at some point? Uh, We can try. What I do know is that if we spend five minutes... On every Final Fantasy-related game, every TV spinoff, every movie that has come out of them, and every soundtrack, this is going to be a 10-hour podcast. So, we should get right to it. Some games will deserve 5 or 10 minutes each. Some of them, we're just going to acknowledge their existence and move along.
1: Yeah. So some of them, I, I've only become aware of recently. Some, just, just by looking up stuff to actually talk about this, did not know there was this, ma- this many. Some of them I want to play. Mm Mm-hmm. Dice the
0: Chocobo? Really? Yeah. They've done quite a bit with this, especially in Japan. Well, when we get to the mobile app section, there's going to be quite a few that were only tried in Japan. Which is disappointing, let's be honest. It is. But, I mean, Japan is where it all started, with the original Final Fantasy, released there, like I said, December 18th, 1987. I don't have it in front of you, but I'm pretty sure that the original creator was Hironobu Sakaguchi.
1: Yeah, I believe that he's the one that gave the kind of remit that he wanted the games to have the initials FF Yeah, and tried to get it called Fighting Fantasy to start with. But then, because there was something that already existed with that, they switched it over to Final Fantasy, which I guess makes sense. Don't want to confuse the public.
0: Nope, and that first version came out, like we said, the Japanese release date was December 18th, 1987. North America finally got it on July 12th, 1990. When exactly did Europe get it? That is not listed here. That's because we never got it. We didn't get an 8-bit version. We got Final Fantasy,
1: the original, on, I believe it was March, possibly March 14th,
0: 2003? That's what it's showing. The PAL version was March 14th, 2003 for the PlayStation.
1: Yep. We didn't get it. Completely unfair. I I could have been playing that from when I was, like, two, three. You know, but I'm not. Yeah. And I'm not bitter.
0: I've been... I st- I was playing that when I first came out in North America in the year I turned 13, So, and I've been playing the Final Fantasies ever since. So that was the original. When your characters that you were playing didn't have names, you could choose which classes they were going to be prior to the game beginning, and once you had those, aside from upgrading them, if you found the rat tail and gave it to Bahamut, those were the classes that you had for the rest of the game. Yeah. If you had two characters targeting the same monster in battle and the first one killed him the second one would be ineffective because he would be beating on the corpse they didn't do the automatic retargeting that the games do now yeah
1: that was something they thought of a couple
0: of games later probably because people were complaining yeah that started in the japanese final fantasy 3 but i figure as we get to each game we'll say this is what they started so final fantasy also took a pot shot at the dragon warrior series or dragon quest as it was known in japan and is now known here Uh, Sakaguchi was trying to get Square Enix to release the Final Fantasy-style game for quite some time, but they said, no, there's no market for it. And then Enix beat Square to it. At the time it was Squaresoft. But Enix beat them to it with the first Dragon Quest game, starring Erdrick as the main character, and that was a huge hit. So if you go to the second town in the first Final Fantasy, there is a graveyard, and as a sign to say, no, we're going to take down that Dragon Quest series and take their spot, they have Here Lies Erdrick written on one of the tombstones since square has acquired enix they've changed that to here lies link because that's their next
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm gonna have to replay that again damn it uh, that is the first one is one that i never got around to finishing because i have it on my psp and i don't know where my psp is currently so that's why i haven't played one and two they're both on it it's here somewhere i just
0: don't know where Yeah, they're also available for iOS, have been since 2010, Windows Phone since 2012, and Android since 2012, and Nintendo 3S since 2014. Yeah. So.
1: How many times have you bought it, out of curiosity?
0: I never bought the original. I rented it or borrowed it from friends. So Mm -hmm. I bought it in the Final Fantasy Origins package for the PlayStation. I had the Game Boy Advanced version, I've got the iOS version, and I'm also fighting the temptation to buy it from the Wii store before the Wii store shuts down.
1: Just so you have a copy of it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Because, well, partly because the other copies that I still have that are up and running are the, the PSP remake, which is not the same as the original. Your characters get up to level 99, oh. there's four extra, more challenging dungeons, they do the automatic retargeting, so they've upgraded a few things which are nice in some ways, but sometimes I want the nostalgia going back to the original. And that's what you'll have if you get it uh, via the Wii Virtual Console in the Wii Store, and that's also the version that was included in the NES Classic, which I see is missing from the Wikipedia entry. It was also released on the NES Classic in 2016.
1: Oh, I missed out on that completely, because those things sold out,
0: like, instantly. Yeah, I haven't gotten the NES or the NES Classic, and I've wanted both.
1: I don't even know if we necessarily got Final Fantasy on our one, because, you know, it wasn't released for us. And I know different areas had certain different games on them, and that might have been one of them. Okay. I'm not sure. Okay. But, you know, why would they give us something 30 years later, 28 years later, that we probably always wanted?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so before moving on to the next game, for the first Final Fantasy, do you have any, you know, favorite parties that you, or lineups that you like to use? Because I started
1: with the later games, I tend to always try to have a White Mage, Black Mage, and... Probably thanks to um, the It bit Theatre, uh, Thief, and a knight, or warrior, whatever mm-hmm. he was.
2: He
0: starts as a warrior and upgrades to a knight when you get the rat's tail. Because,
1: yep. you know, I try to keep my party as balanced as possible, plus the whole It bit Theatre thing kind of spoiled me as well. Okay. Did you ever
0: read that one? I did, yes. It's very amusing. Ah, uh,
1: I, I never finished it because I got distracted, because mm-hmm. there's so much of it. Yeah, I do like Black Mage, though.
0: Okay, yeah, I went the opposite of balance. My preferred team, especially in the original incarnation, is four black belts. (laughs) It's a beast getting them up to level seven. But that's what I find. I just walk back and forth in front of that first town until the whole party's at level seven. Sell off the one set of nunchucks they give you. By the time you're done the second town, you've got the best equipment they could possibly have because they can't (laughs) use anything. Uh, You build them up to level seven before you go to that, that first dungeon, and then you can essentially walk through the rest of the game. And the black mages are also the only characters that don't have their stats changed by the class boost when they move from black belt to master. Oh. So when you hit that second town, when you defeat the nine pirates, from there, walk very, very far east, and there's a little peninsula that juts up. In the original Final Fantasy, the random battles that you face are determined by which of the 16 map grid squares you're in. And if you go to the top four squares on that northern peninsula you will fight creatures you're not supposed to fight for some time. When your character levels cap out at 30 and they're expecting your characters to be at, like, level 5 or 6 at this point, you're fighting level 30 and 40 characters. So I typically go there around level 10. I bring, like, you know, all the equipment I need to bring people back to life. I save my game on the world map right before I walk into those squares, step in, hope it's one of the battles that only has one or two enemies, do everything I can to beat them, and any character who manages to survive goes up, like, 12 character levels right off the bat. (laughs) You may or may not survive that first fight. And then I'll step out, heal with the tent, cottage, probably go back to town to stay at the inn, you know, bring everyone back to life, and then lather, rinse, repeat, and my record for the first Final Fantasy is playing it start to finish, emptying every treasure chest and upgrading the character classes. See, my friend Chris and I did this one New Year's Eve. We started after dinner, so say 5 or 5.30, maybe 6-ish, and we were done by 11.30, going, okay, now how do Ah. we fill time to the New Year? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Surely that should be obvious. You try it with Final Fantasy 2 and see how far you can
2: get.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Final Fantasy 2, which was released in Japan on December 17th, 1988, and North America on April 8th, 2003, we didn't have access to it. Because you see, yeah, Nintendo did not negotiate well. The first Final Fantasy game was such a huge hit, and the second game was where they introduced Chocobos and Cid, the recurring engineer name, if they're not the same character uh, Moogles and other you know common elements they completely changed the character development so it was no longer character levels but skill levels you want a black mage you treat a character like a black mage and their stats will improve as though they're a black mage right you want to get better with an axe you attack people with an axe you want to upgrade your fire to a tougher version of the fire spell you keep casting fire so each skill had 16 levels and hundred points per level so every time you cast your fire spell you Add one or two points depending on how many people you cast it against or how many creatures you cast it against. The main thing with Final Fantasy II, from a player's perspective, the inventory management I found was the biggest challenge. You've got 30 spots in your inventory and there's no multiples. So if you're carrying 10 potions, you don't have one slot with 10 potions, you've got 10 slots used. <sighs> so managing inventory and visiting the white chocobos and the, you know, the fat chocobos who can store your equipment becomes crucial. But that was the first one where, you know, you get that massive alteration in the world map at some point during the game, which has become a common trope, in addition to the other tropes. Yeah. Didn't originally get it in North America, it was an 8-bit release, because Nintendo was saying, fine, you can release it in North America, but we're going to use your characters as mascots, just like we do with Mario and Luigi and and Link, and then Nintendo-owned characters. And Square said, we're open to that if you recompensate appropriately and they couldn't come up with a number that was appropriate mostly because nintendo said the appropriate number was zero and square said it was not zero
1: <laughs> yeah i can see that
0: yeah and that dragged out so long that by the time they realized that was not going anywhere and final fantasy 2 was not going to be released in north america it was also well past time to release final fantasy 3 that came out in japan on april 27th 1990 And the first official North American version was the DS version, released on November 14th, 2006, which is literally the reason I bought a Nintendo DS.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: I've I've bought many consoles, mostly for Final Fantasy. That's one where I already had the DS. I I did pre-buy a DS before I got three. Can't remember what I bought it for, but I did definitely get that one. I'm still working through it. I haven't finished it.
0: I set it down for a while. I can't remember what I'm doing in 3. Yeah, 3 is a challenge. It's the first one to have the job system. Which I'm really enjoying. That job mechanic makes it my favorite of the 8-bit generation. Hmm. And you get four characters, again, with personalities. They start off as onion knights. And during the course of the game, you get the ability to turn them into monks or white mages or black mages. And you can change jobs during the game. The hmm. upside to that is the longer right, you've got the versatility... To have a team of four black mages if it's useful, or a team of four warriors if it's useful. The downside is that to be to excel in those jobs, you need to spend time invested in those jobs. Yeah. So when I play through, I typically have a white mage that is just through the roof, because I pick a white mage and stick with it. <laughs> I believe I have a ninety-nine white mage currently. The white the healers are always useful.
2: <laughs> no matter
0: what fight you're in. The rest is variable, and if you've got the patience to get the onion knight up to level 99 it is an incredibly powerful job but it sucks until level 93
1: <laughs> yeah A- apparently for that one the original game didn't have personalities at all or anything special about the main four that was introduced <laughs> with the ds version
0: they were just generic characters as far as i'm aware. that's actually not true oh people lied to me yeah, the, the DS version was my first legal access to it, but when I was in first few years of university, I felt I was justified in downloading emulators and playing ROMs if the game was never released in North America. And I yeah. heard that, you know, it's legal for a period of time in Canada, which I thought it later was total BS. But yeah, I played Final Fantasy III in a fairly direct translation of the original release, and no... Just like with Final Fantasy II, we had individual characters with individual personalities.
1: That's completely unfair. This, yeah. this, I should never trust the internet for anything.
0: Yeah, they weren't deep personalities. It was the kind of thing where, you know, they just slightly changed the way they talk. And most uh-huh. of the personalities were in the rotating characters who'd come with you, as it was in 2. Probably
1: more of a personality than in the first game, where it was literally Black Mage, Light, and... Th- those. Were- Could you rename mm-hmm. the characters and? Because I, I can't remember back
0: that far. <laughs> uh, yes, the North American release allowed you to change their names to characters that were... You could pick names that were up to four characters long. Ah. So you could name them Dave, but not David. Cool. Which I've I heard was a hold over the fact that in Japan they use the kanji where one sil- one symbol or one yeah. character is more like one syllable. So that's not as limiting with the Japanese kanji as it is with the North American alphabet. Later incarnations have given you much longer name options. Yes. All right, but that was the last of the 8-bit games. So the second one I played was the first of the 16-bits.
1: And I'm pretty sure that's the first one I played. Possibly through the C.M. means you played 3 originally. Because I had absolutely no clue about the Final Fantasy games. Because I didn't have a Super Nintendo. And so I may have acquired certain things that allowed me to play some of the games on the Super Nintendo by other means. Okay. Until I could eventually get them myself when they released the PlayStation
0: versions. Ah, uh, yes. This was part of the Final Fantasy Chronicles set. I believe so. Was that the three-pack or the two-pack? The two-pack. Yeah, in North America, we just got two two-packs. There was Final Fantasy Anthology with five and six, and Final Fantasy Chronicles with four and Co- Chrono Trigger. I think
1: we we got a solo 4 and so I think I got the 4 by itself and the anthology for 5 and 6. I think that's how I did
0: it. Okay. In North America, I first played this. It was released in Japan on July 19th, 91. North America, November 23rd, 91. Coincidentally, the 28th anniversary of Doctor Who. <laughs> and it was released here as Final Fantasy 2. Because Nintendo realized that they had dropped the ball and the North American audiences missed out on two Final Fantasy games because... You know, the new regime realized that they were being unreasonable. In previous regimes, they tried to cover that up by releasing Final Fantasy IV as Final Fantasy II. to said, yep, this is the next one. You haven't missed anything. On top of that, in Japan, there was the easy type and the hard type versions. So the easy type is where there was, you know, one remedy that was a cure for everything instead of having the antidote for poison and the golden needle for petrify and different curative items for different negative status effects. The Easy Type had, you know, lower experience point numbers needed to reach each character level. It was meant for a more mature audience, so you could even, you know, go down a hallway, up the stairs, into a room with all the programmers, one of whom was reading from an adult magazine because they were trying to accurately reflect the personalities of the people <laughs> involved. Including Nobu Omatsu, who's done a fantastic job of the music on the first nine games in their totality and a portion of game yeah. ten, who says Why are you spending so much time playing these games? Go outside. (laughs) He is awesome. Yeah, the easy type version, there's a long hallway, but instead of having a staircase at the end, there's just a wall. And when I was playing this in junior high and had no idea what was going on with that wall, I cannot tell you how many times I walked back and forth, pushing against every wall, hitting A, looking for secret passages, trying to find out why is this hallway here? It doesn't fit the design to have a dead-end hallway with nothing in it
1: is there a switch where's the switch there's a switch to open this right is there a pot
0: yeah there was no switch (laughs) they just put a brick wall on top of the stairs so we couldn't go up and see that one of the creators likes looking at porn
1: they couldn't just briefly change it so that's saying i'm reading a manga isn't that wonderful yeah surely that would have been easier
0: yeah well they we just got a direct port of the easy type and that's the way they handled it there the hard type was never released for the super nintendo so if you're saying, yeah, you you mastered that game because you played it on the Super Nintendo, well, there's a much harder version out there for you that is well worth tracking down.
1: They brought over the, the easy version because we'd kind of skipped out a couple of the newer mechanics for the games.
0: That was some of it. And also because the age of the average player, just mm. of video game players in general in North America, was significantly lower than Japan. So we'd already and- seen things where they figured, no, this game is too hard for the North American audiences and the global audiences with things like Super Mario Bros. 2, which, you know... Oh, yeah. The Japanese version of Super Mario Bros. 2 was meant to be a continuation of Super Mario 1 following the same difficulty curve that the first one did. So after beating Super Mario Bros. 1 in World 8-4, World 1-1 of Super Mario Bros. 2 was more challenging than 8-4 in Super Mario 1, and they kept increasing the challenge from there. We got Doki Doki Panic. Yep, that's what we got in North America, too. They took Doku Doku Panic... Redrew the sprites so that they were Mario characters and then released them, which is why there are no common enemies, no common mechanics. <laughs> but it's it did establish the different differences between Mario and Luigi for the first time. Yeah, it's not just a palette swap. Yeah, so then when All-Stars came out for the Super Nintendo, all four games were released in both countries. So we got Mario The Lost Levels as the Japanese Super Mario Bros. 2... And the Japanese got Mario Lost levels as the North American Super Mario 2, which is the the reskin of Doku Doku Panic, <laughs> which, interestingly, that entire game was a dream of Mario's, and yet those creatures from his dreams show up again in later games. But this is not the Mario Anniversary Podcast. This is the Final Fantasy Anniversary.
1: Yeah. There's, there hasn't been a Mario and Final Fantasy crossover concert. It's Mario and Link. Completely different fantasy series.
0: Yes. Although... One of the Super Nintendo games, Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars, my all-time favorite Mm -hmm. Mario game, was a direct result of Nintendo going to Squaresoft saying, you're really good at RPGs, we want to do that with Mario. Can you make an RPG starring Mario? That one I did get through the Wii store. (laughs) And I believe it's on the SNES Classic. Ooh! But anyway, the Final Fantasy IV, this was actually one of the first times where they really went hard into character development and character arcs the main character actually completely changes class. He starts as a Dark Knight, realizes he's been following an evil leader, and goes through a redemptive arc, becoming a paladin instead. Yeah. Now, in the previous incarnations, so the previous games in Final Fantasy II and III, you'd have three or four core party members, and then occasional guests who would join you as an extra member for a period of time in the story. With Final Fantasy II, that starts with Minwoo. You know, Final Fantasy III, you had you know a variety of characters... But Final Fantasy IV, you had a cast that rotates rather regularly. Cecil was the only mainstay. Hmm. So at any given time, the characters that were in your party were dictated by where you were in that story. Story Story-driven. Yeah, so it's not like... Final Fantasy 7 where you can have eight people traveling together, but only three are partaking in these very difficult fights because of technical limitations on the hardware and no story reason whatsoever. In Final Fantasy IV, everybody who was traveling with you was a part of that battle party. Yeah. Did you have a favorite character from Four? I was a fan of Yang, but I've always had a soft spot for the <laughs> black belts and the monks. Uh, I kind of like Rydia.
1: I-, I love my summoners. yeah They bring out Ifrit and Bahamut and Shiva. So cool. Oh, yes. Plus, she she has a really depressing story, considering that you meet her, you murder her mother, and then you take her along on an adventure.
0: Yeah. And her mother is not the only one you murder. You actually, she's the sole Mm. survivor of the town that you slaughter. Yeah. It has a really dark opening. It
1: does. Also, the whole Cain thing. Cain is the name I think of when I think of Dark Knights. Or not Dark Knights, uh, Dragoons. Yep. Because that's where I was introduced to them. And there's always a dragoon, and he always seems to turn evil for whatever reason. Don't trust dragoons. But yeah. then they, they generally come back to normal. They, they tend to go back to
0: good, but... Yeah, well, Final Fantasy also has a history of... I mean, you mentioned the summons are typically pulled from global mythology, right? The names, at least. Yeah, so Shiva, Ifrit, Bahamut, Quetzalcoatl, a lot of these guys are coming from that. Whereas Cain is a direct reference to the, you know, yeah. the Christianity with... Cain and the backstabbing and that's that was putting your character in plain sight which i
1: didn't pick up on at all because i'm stupid took me so long to realize that's what they were going with it's going oh yes oh sometimes your brain works sometimes
0: it doesn't yeah it can also depend on how big the christianity or how big christianity and its writings were part of your life it took me quite a while to pick up on it as well Uh, I, i actually didn't i played it in 1991 I didn't figure it out until 1995 when my English 30 teacher was talking about the biblical references in the story we read where a character who betrayed someone in the short story was also named Kane. And she did that, and a friend of mine and I who played Final Fantasy II together just looked at each other from across the room in that moment of joint realization where we both went, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it
1: was right there. It was like signposted. They, yeah. they had a, It was basically flashing lights. Yeah. But you don't think that games that are you know, technically from another country, are always going to reference stuff that you will know.
0: Yeah, I. Th- the only thing they could have done to make it more obvious was rename Cecil Abel. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Or at least make them brothers instead of just friends so close they might as well be brothers.
1: Hmm. are both fancy the same person. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right, so following Final Fantasy IV, Japan saw Final Fantasy V in December, so specifically December 6, 1992. Again, North America had to wait for a PlayStation version October fifth, nineteen 1999. And the PAL or European version was also the PlayStation release, but it took you another two and a bit years yeah. to get it in February twenty seventh two
1: thousand two. I'm pretty sure I played a version of this anyway. I'm pretty sure that a version of this was made available on the internet somewhere because I remember running around with Butts because that's how they translated his name in that Butts.
2: Yeah,
0: instead of Bart's. I will admit i <laughs> I also played an emulated version of this before I bought the PlayStation version. Um, as well as the Game Boy Advance and iOS versions. So I've got three versions, and I've been because I've got it for iOS, I've been able to resist the urge to also buy it through Steam, which is another place you can get most of these games we've mentioned so far.
1: Yeah, I have it currently on my tablet. It's currently working away there. I am playing six at the same time, so I keep getting distracted by the other one. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm probably about halfway through, if not two thirds of the way through it. Okay. It, it does introduce my favorite song from a lot of the games because it keeps coming back.
0: The Big Bridge?
1: Oh, The Big Bridge. I love that song. Yes. I don't know why. I, I To be honest, I think it became one of my favorite songs from just listening to the music in general. I just popped up and I went,
0: I really like this song. It, but yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's my favorite from that game. It's high tempo. It's a lot of fun. And it's paired with your proper introduction to Gilgamesh, who is one of my <laughs> favorite characters. Now, the Final Fantasy games in general... They're not really connected to each other, right? That's right. The numbered Final Fantasy games, we we should have mentioned, they're not sequels. Um, When the first one was such a big hit and they said, okay, we're going to make a sequel, Sakaguchi said, no, those characters have a happily ever after. We'll release a Final Fantasy 2 with a similar gameplay model and similar structure, but it's going to be a new set of characters and a new story. He wanted happily ever after to truly be happily ever after. Uh, Gilgamesh... Gilgamesh pops up in other games. He does. He becomes like... Because he got banished. Yep. Which is unique. So he's not like, you know, Cid where each game has a different character named Cid who is your engineer. Gilgamesh, the idea with him is it's actually the same Gilgamesh because he's been sent to other realities. And I love that idea.
1: Because he's hilarious. Yes. Particularly in fourteen, which we'll probably get to eventually.
0: Yeah, we will. But yeah, I would say that Final Fantasy V is my favorite of the 16-bit incarnations. Yes.
1: It, again, the switching of the job classes. I, I love that mechanic.
0: Yep, yeah. and one of the things I like about 5 versus 3 is that when you switch job classes, you get stat boosts and detriments relative to the your base, your Onion Knight, according to which job it is, but you don't lose any ground you gained in that other job. Right? Final yeah. Fantasy III... Your white mage will be a better white mage the more you use the spells. Whereas Final Fantasy V, your character level determines the ability, and each job has abilities you can learn through battle with the ability points. First introduced here, and those may give you a boost. So you know your white and black mages can give you uh, magic point boosts. Your monk can give you hit point boosts. And when you trade jobs, you've got that one default skill that you always have because of the job you switch to, and there's one blank slot you can fill in with the skills you've learned from other jobs. Yeah. And let me tell you, I was so happy the day I realized that, because you know, I am a grinder, when I got a new set of jobs, the first time through, I stopped and mastered every job with every character before moving on. <laughs> I realized that that was a detriment because I missed items and abilities, because my blue mages didn't have a chance to learn abilities. The blue mages learn abilities by having the enemy cast those spells or use those abilities against you. And when you kill them in one hit before they call for the reinforcements that teach you those abilities, yeah. you don't get to learn them. So now I save the grinding until after I've gone through that the steamship and beaten the fire demon at the end.
1: Uh, it's always good to have a, a beast master running around with you with your blue mage. Yeah, just have your learn ability always on, just in case.
0: That's right. And what I found playing through the first time is when you master those jobs, a lot of the passive abilities, like learn or fight barefisted like a monk or detect, you know, traps and walk across dangerous floors safely. Your onion knight, your generic class, inherits the vast majority of those passive abilities. The yeah. only passive abilities it does not inherit from master jobs. Are the hit points and magic point boosts, and the berserk attack from the berserker. And you could also argue it doesn't get the equip this item thing because yeah, it yeah. can already equip everything. So I would typically play through the the second half of the game as the Onion Knight with all other skills mastered, and you know strip the weapons like so no weapons, no shields from my attackers because then they all fit fight barefisted like monks. They're decent mages, but better with the physical power. That's my typical strategy, is once you beat that chip, because there's um, there's a soldier that's actually like a, a demon claw, but you have to do a certain percentage of damage before he transforms. And when uh, I was yeah. grinding through the first time, I did 100% damage to him. So we hit him, he died in one shot, and it said, wow, he was much tougher than the rest, there's something weird here. And I went, oh man, I missed it. <laughs> and there's another fight on a cliffside where I knew that you know, second time through, I knew that this woman called for reinforcements. And it, you can learn an ability from the reinforcements. The first time through, I didn't know that. We went into the battle. She hit Bartz. Bartz counterattacked. She died. We moved on before I touched the controller. <laughs> oh, dear. So.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons why, whenever I'm playing these games now, I have a look at a Missable's guide, just in case. You know, just a quick scan of it. I, tr- I try not to do it on games that I'm just starting to play. So I won't have looked up any of the 15 stuff, because I still haven't finished that yet. But ones where I've already kind of started and gotten... Through, I will go back and look at a missable's list because I know the story. I want to get everything this time through.
0: Everything. Yeah, my first time through, I don't look at any outside help. The second time through, I'll yeah. use walkthroughs or game guides to make sure I open every treasure chest and catch everything. With the exception of one of the 16 bit games we'll talk about where I really did catch everything the first time, but we'll get there. Yeah.
1: I do know with three, I'm going to have to look at a walkthrough just to figure out where I am, just so I know what exactly I'm meant to be doing. Apart from just leveling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there were times when I, I learned, once I started having you know a job and couldn't just sit down and dedicate a week to playing on s- summer vacation like I used to, I learned to pick up the game guides right away and just follow along with a bookmark with where I am. huh. Just so, you know, if I'm coming back to it after two months, it's like, oh, okay, that's where I'm going next. And then move on.
1: I like that idea. <laughs>
0: but Anyway, Nintendo of America had had another regime change, and they tried the same stunt using the Final Fantasy V characters as mascots, which again slowed the negotiations. So by the time they got through it and another regime change, they said, okay, we're going to drop five and go straight to six and release it as Final Fantasy III.
1: But you can see why they would want Bako as a, as a mascot. Let's be
0: honest. He's adorable. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bako, Sildra, Ooh. Ferris, I mean... <laughs> Captain Ferris. Yes, Captain Ferris, one of the original ladies who dressed as men. Ah, cross-dressing.
1: Something I hope continues in the games as they remake them. We'll
0: yep. get to that. Yeah, it started here. It happens again later, and there's also been rumors, I've heard, that that was part of the, the postponement, as you were trying to say, well, no, we don't like that aspect of Ferris. We're not sure North American audiences are ready for that with the young kids. And it's like, to me, I what never I never would have seen it that way. Cause, okay, spoilers for the first, what, 5% of the game? You start just playing Barts. You pick up other members of the party as you go through. The fourth and final initial member of your party is Ferris, who is the leader of Pirates. You get hints. When you're in one town, someone mentions that the creatures in this canal only target women. And when you go through that canal, they only target Lena and Ferris, which is a hint that the so-called male leader of the Pirates is actually a woman, which is revealed in a story cutscene not long thereafter. But it's not... It's not like a sexual identity thing in any way, shape, or form. It's the, you know, we're in a chauvinist society, and I want to be in charge, therefore, I have to dress and act this way. Yeah. So it's completely utilitarian.
1: Still hilarious when they figure it out, though. Yes. I, b- I believe it's uh, everyone gets drenched, and they have to warm themselves by the fire, and they go, oh, we're all guys here,
0: and then, nope. Yep, yeah, Lenny gets a private room at... Because she's the only known woman, and then Bart's galoof, like, yeah, take off those wet clothes, and first go, like, no, 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 and then they try to help her, and whoa, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarity ensues. Yes. Anyway, from there, like we said, Final Fantasy Six. So that was released as Final Fantasy Three, April 2nd, 1994 in Japan, October 11th, 1994 in North America. I believe this is the first time we see characters named Wedge and Biggs in a <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> reference, showing up in the game's it's also the first one that really goes heavy steampunk. Oh, yes. Instead of the straight-up old-school fantasy.
1: There had been kind of technological things showing up before, not that many, but they went all out in this. And, I mean, the entire of the intro is essentially just walking in giant mechs. Yep. And I loved it. That That's still one of my favorite songs as well from this one. Just the Terra's theme.
0: Yes. Which is, I mean, Final Fantasy VI... For a lot of people, it is the favorite of the 16-bit Final Fantasies. That's why the Super or the SNES Classic includes Final Fantasy III, but not two. Mm. I think it was just plain more popular. I preferred five because I am largely a fan of the game mechanics. And yeah. like you said, Final Fantasy VI is bleak. I mean, two, yep. three, five, and six all have moments where the world map gets completely rewritten. Uh, that was actually a massive problem for me in two because, as I said. The way you play the game determines how your stats build up. And I spent so much time attacking, in order to build your defenses and increase your total hit points, you have to get hit and survive, and things weren't hitting me. And I didn't (laughs) realize that until I got to the final dungeon, when Ah. first hit kills, and none of my characters could survive getting hit by the bosses, and this is the first time the monsters you fight would actually attack you first. Now, Final Fantasy has a lot of random encounters, and you reset the random counter by... You know, going to a new floor, by, you know, fighting a battle, by changing the map area, or by opening the menu. And the way the randomizer works and the way it counts, you know, it picks a random number between, like, 5 and 255. If you're on the world map on grass areas, every step subtracts 1 from that random number. You know, forests and deserts subtract 2, and if you're inside dungeons, they subtract 3. And when that number is 0 or less, you face a random encounter. Because it was first hit kill, I made it through that Final Fantasy II final dungeon by taking a step, opening the menu, closing the menu, taking a step, opening the menu, closing the menu (laughs) to reset the counter and never fight a random encounter. And then I just wasn't strong enough to take the hits from the final boss, even though I did a lot of damage. So I went back out and realized, because of the change in the world map with all the monsters upgraded, there were no longer enemies weak enough that I could survive getting hit by So I had to restart the game. Anyway, so Final Fantasy VI is one where there's another massive world map change.
1: What what was the name of the world in this one? It was the World of Chaos? Is that the right one? Or is it Darkness? Or what was the depressing term they used for it? I think it was Ruud. World
0: of, Yeah, World of Ruin.
1: That was it. Because yeah. it got really freaking depressing after a certain point.
0: It did. Again, spoilers. The bad guy's plan is complete about halfway through. And then you're saying, look at what he did. Because the bad guy here... I mean Kefka is one of the greater side or Final Fantasy villains. <laughs> you know, he is the the Joker from the Chris Nolan movies. When when that Alfred says some people or some men just want to watch the world burn, that's Kefka. Yep. He he really is the Joker. He's the evil clown who wants to see the world burn, so he burns the world. And then you get the band back together, after all the devastation to the world, to say, He destroyed this world and he's put himself up as top dog? That is unacceptable. We're gonna take him down and start rebuilding. Yeah. It was cool. This also introduced the limit breaks, although the limit breaks or soul breaks don't have the same mechanics they have later where you've got that meter you charge up and let it loose. Here, if your characters were low on health and they start crouching, there was a small chance that attack wouldn't be a regular attack, it would be their limit break, so the extra special high damage attack.
1: So didn't have to keep everyone at full health all the time. Sometimes it's more beneficial
0: to keep them down low, Yeah, I had actually finished the game about two or three times before I even learned that, because, like I said, I'm a grinder. I have a habit of grossly overbuilding my stats, so I could usually keep people healed up to, like, more than half their hit points.
1: Yeah, I only just found out about that. Um, Did not realize that was a thing. I tend to keep mine at full health most of the time because I worry about people dying that aren't story-based. You know, I'm going to have to switch my playstyle again just to see what happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I ended up when I found out about that, I pulled up an old save file and started using demi magic to just winnow my own team down because the random monsters in the area couldn't do it for me. Because <laughs> demi will weaken them without killing them. It kills a, per- yeah. it removes a percentage or a fraction of the current hit points. You know, one quarter, half, or three quarters depending on which demi spell you're using. And if it's, you know, say you're trying to get someone with hit points of nine down to three quarters. You know, well, it's not an even multiple, so they chop off the remainder, you just lose six hit points, and as a result, when you're down to one hit point, it will never kill you. Because you can't divide that far. Yeah, well, it just if it would round to one, they, they don't round, they truncate. So you'll always have one hit point left.
1: And then you can throw the pokeball and catch them. Wait, no, that's a different franchise.
0: Never yes. mind. So at this stage, Nintendo was ready to move beyond the 16-bit consoles and move to the next step. And they were working with Sony to create a CD-ROM drive that would pair with their next console, what became the N64. Because on the one hand, cartridges have the advantage of loading quickly. I mean, you don't see loading times on cartridges like you did in the early CD games and some of the modern games. But the CDs have the advantage of having massive capacity. Again, Nintendo tends to be a little selfish in their negotiations. Talk broke apart, and, you know, they split off. So Sony took the drive that there was going to be an add-on for the N64, and turn it into a standalone system called the PlayStation. Now, Squaresoft had an exclusive distribution deal with Nintendo. So when they worked with Sega consoles, the games that were already released but we're going to talk about later because they're not part of the main series, they had to rebrand them. So they couldn't be released under the Final Fantasy brand. But their deal with Nintendo for the next generation was that they wanted that capacity so the next Final Fantasy game was going to be on that CD-ROM drive system. So when Sony took it out and make it their own, they took the license with them. So mm. that's where the seventh Final Fantasy was. And when it was being released in North America, shortly after it was being released in Japan, the Japanese release was January 31st, 1997. The North American release was September 7th, 1997, which that was my 20th birthday. It would have been the perfect birthday present if I actually had a PlayStation. <laughs> the PAL version was November 1st, 1997. So again, the first time where that was actually a fairly prompt European release, Nintendo of America called Sony of America and said, "Um, can you please release it as Final Fantasy IV? So people don't realize what our predecessors did to basically screw them out of three games. And Sony said, nope, it's seven. (laughs) They were right to do so. They released it as seven. North American audiences went, wait, hang on, we're missing three games. They did the research, found out which three games we were missing and why, and went to Sony and said, can you bring them to us, please? So we got Final Fantasy 1 and 2 in Final Fantasy Origins. We got 4 and Chrono Trigger in in Chronicles, and we got 5 and 6 in Anthology. So that's how we finally got every Final Fantasy released up to that point, except 3, which we later got for the Nintendo DS. But 7 was our first one with the 3D modeling. It was the first one with profanity. It was the (laughs) first one that I would say was (laughs) largely, you know, not steampunk fantasy, but this is the first one I would say was really more sci-fi than fantasy, although it definitely had elements of both.
1: They, they definitely like blending it throughout the entire game. Yeah, it's 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 essentially a game about the war between technology and magic,
0: or the Earth, or the Midgard. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it was it was one of the first times that we actually lost a major character. I mean, yeah. Well, at least for the as far as the North American audiences were concerned, because <laughs> the games we'd had up to this point, yeah, everybody survived. We thought we lost Palom and Porum in four, but spoilers we don't. Super soft. Uh, yeah. So this was the the first time a character dies, and it it is fairly early on. I, I prefer not to spoil things too late in games, unless you know it's relevant to the conversation. So I'm not going to say who dies or when. But yeah, there. It's fairly yeah. It, it's one of those spoilers now where it's like if you're listening to a Final Fantasy podcast, it would be like you know doing a Star Wars podcast and not telling people who's under the Darth Vader mask.
1: Particularly after the prequels were done.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's a pretty well-known spoiler, but if you happen to be one of the ones who haven't hit it yet, and this is your first introduction to the Final Fantasy franchise, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Just generally speaking, Fine. don't get too attached to anyone. And if you're well, fighting... Well, you can live in, in the... fear of
1: all of them dying.
0: Yeah. Oh, and if you run into a, a weird ninja one-on-one in a forested area and have a chance to talk to her afterwards, make it seem like it's no big deal if she joins you or not. But yeah, my standard party in seven was Cloud, Barret, and Yuffie. On will mm-hmm. as soon as we hit that first tiny little patch of forest on that first game. And those are my standard three, because you can get the long-range materia. After you leave Midgard, you avoid or fight the Midgard Serpent, depending on whether or not you're an insane grinder like I am in Midgard. <laughs> and then after you get past that area, there's a cave. You can climb up a vine that appears to be part of the background and get the long-range materia on a shelf up above, which turns Cloud's weapon into a long-range weapon. Uh, remind me about that when we hit Record Keeper, okay? Okie doke. Yeah, so then Cloud, Barrett, and Yuffie all have long-range weapons, so I spend a lot of the game with the three of them in the back row. Ah. I also... This is one of the the games where, you know, there's that really good grinding spot I mentioned in FF1. There's one in 7 as well. It originally was released on three CDs for the PlayStation, and partway through the first CD, you get to Junin Harbor. It's a building that has a giant cannon built into <laughs> it. Chekov's cannon. Yeah, as you're going through, there's you're dressed up as enemy soldiers, and there's a little red switch on the wall next to some soldiers who are doing training exercises. I would get up to this point with, you know, try to hit it with all three limit break bars full. So I would go into the boss battle that leads us into this against, you know, the, the one at the ocean with the long range villain. I'd go into it with three full limit bars and then not use limit breaks. So I would take it down with magic only so the limit breaks, stay charged. Come in here, spend a night at the inn that's there to fully recharge all my characters, give them all hyper potions to get them back in Fury mode so that limit bar charges faster, go into that hallway, and throw the little red switch to set off the alarm, and then run back to the hotel. If you can fight only one battle... uh, Oh, and by the way, also have all three characters not in the back row for the long-range equipment, but in the front row. Because when you're at this point, the... The enemies that appear when that alarm is running are enemies you're not supposed to face until disc 3. They have like a good 70 or 80% chance at least to catch you with a back attack. So if everyone's in the front row, all of a sudden your long-range characters are now in the back row when you actually get into the fight. You don't have to change positions. With just one fight, with all limit breaks full, and with my characters up to about level 30 to 35 coming in, one of them will usually survive. If you encounter two random battles as you're running back to the hotel, you're dead. So save before you do this. And any character that survives goes up a lot. Now unlike Final Fantasy I when you're doing that, where each battle only checks to increase you by one character level, because they didn't realize that map glitch. You know, so Final Fantasy I, that one surviving character will go up 12 levels, but it's gonna be, you know, one per battle your next 12 battles as it notices. But you're there, this you can go up like, you know, 10, 12, 15 levels in one fight. Oh. Go back, heal, lather, rinse, repeat. I usually finish Disc 1 in 10-12 to hours of gameplay with all my characters at level 75 or so. See, I don't know these tricks. These sound like useful tricks. Yeah, there's a few good places to grind in Final Fantasy VII. After June and Harbor, Harbor, when you're on the other side of the ocean, there's a bunch of (laughs) squids that are beach plugs, are the name of them, but they look like little squids you face on the beach. When you max out your demi-magic and you get the morph and the all-materia, spend a lot of time there. Yeah. Because they will morph into speed tabs, which will give a permanent one-point increase to the speed stat of a character every time you apply it. Speed stats go up to 99. You can morph five of these guys per battle. So 20 battles or less, actually guaranteed to be less, 20 battles, and one of your characters will be at maximum speed. So I usually did that with Cloud around this point. So a level 75 Cloud, if I maxed out his speed and not everybody else's, he'd be getting three or four turns to everybody else's. So I'd spend a couple hours just morphing speed plugs to max everyone's speed. And then later in the game, there's the crashed Galnica. So there's a an aircraft that's crashed on the bottom of the ocean. Every single creature in there can be morphed into one of the other tabs. Oh, yeah. So you can manually max out all your stats. I tend to use Demi because, like we said before, it wears them down. They have to be below 10% of their hit points before the, the death blow with the morph command will actually morph them into an item. So I typically hit them with you know demi three which reduces them to one corner of their current hit points i hit them with that three times and then do the more fall to kill them all in one swipe that ah. works for all but one of the creatures there because there was a flying creature and flying creatures are immune to gravity attacks like demi obviously so that was the tougher one to grind but yeah i'm a grinder those are the most efficient places to grind in final fantasy VII. oh uh, do you have uh, your favorite character was it Yuffie, or who is it for this one Tifa Ah. like I said I, I, I like the the monks. the monks it was Sabin and FF6 Galoof and 5 if you're going for the characters that you actually use otherwise it's it's Gilgamesh and I haven't actually been asking about your favorite characters
1: ah um, Bacco from Final Fantasy 5 um, uh-huh. I did Rydia for, for four. 4 4 yep has to be Terra um, I think Terra or Mog because I like Moogles okay. for, for 6 The Terra's just generally awesome. Yep. Seven, it's a three-way tie. I'm sorry, I like Red Thirteen, Yuffie, and Vincent. They're all cool. Vincent is one of the more fun characters because he's basically a horror movie trope. He's all of them. Yeah. He's a vampire dude. He comes out of the coffin. He turns into Jason from from Friday the 13th, and uh, Frankenstein as well. Can't remember Mm -hmm. what specifically they call it because it's Splattergore for... For his limit break, his, mm-hmm. uh, that turns him into... Into Jason. Jason, thank you. I said his name three seconds ago, and then I can't remember <laughs> it. I can't remember what the Frankenstein one's called. But yeah. I just love the fact that he switches between them, and, or he can become these things, and he has a fun story.
0: He does. And for Seven, I also have to admit, that each character has their own theme. My favorite theme music is Sid's theme. Ooh, And it, it first plays when he he has the greatest single moment of any character, I think. When they they play that in the rocket,
1: I always feel kind of bad for your for your girl in that. Uh, I keep wanting to call her Eleanor, but that's someone else. But Sid's yeah. kind of assistant who feels bad that she didn't let him get the rocket off because she was happy enough to die. So he go into space. Oh, yeah. don't worry about me. I'm fine to die. You just go into space. I'm going. What? Yeah. I, I. So many good points in that game.
0: There are, and that's probably why they are putting so much effort into the remake which is coming. We've seen releases that it is <laughs> coming. They, they have finally said it's going to be a PlayStation 4 game and not the PlayStation 3 remake we all expected because of how mm-hmm. long it has been rumored. <laughs> we still don't have a release date for it. I have already
1: purchased it, technically. I put my order in.
0: Yep, it is available for pre-order and it's going to be in like a, a Telltale series kind of style where they're releasing chapters. If you buy it on disc, then just each chapter will download as soon as it becomes available and you will have the whole thing with a single purchase. If you buy it digitally... It's more of a micropayment model.
1: Do we want to mention the awkward thing that I really hope they put into this game, that they may or may not put into this game, involving the cross-dressing?
0: There's a couple things that are potentially awkward.
1: One of my favorite bits in this entire game is where you have to basically dress up the main character, Clyde, as a girl, so he can get into a club, so that he can rescue one of the other characters, or... At least attempt to rescue her. Depending yeah. on your choices, depends on how that works out.
2: Yeah.
0: Hilarity again ensues. Yeah, and another part with your choices, Cloud will go on a date at some point <laughs> in the early game. And depending oh, yeah. on who you bring with you in your party, how you interact with them when you have conversation choices, you could go on a date with Aerith, Tifa, Yuffie, or Barrett. <laughs> yeah, so that's one that Again it would have been a harder one to get through in Nintendo because Nintendo's family friendly policy isn't so much what is inappropriate it's what is not going to anger parents and there yeah. are still there's still a section of the population that would have an issue with two men going on a date so
1: where do you think we get the term mandate from
0: yeah but yeah it's good
1: reason to save once you get to the gold saucer
0: yeah <laughs> that was a pinnacle game it was huge i believe it was the game that finally it was the highest-selling PlayStation 1 game hmm. and the highest-selling Final Fantasy game in history. It is the one that
1: everyone thinks of when they think of Final Fantasy these days.
0: Yeah, it's at least in North America, it was the first one that was backed up with TV commercials. Really? Yeah, we had like TV ads saying Final Fantasy VII is coming, and it was the full-motion video, and people were like, oh, wow, and then the game came out, and they're like, oh, it doesn't look like that. Because they weren't showing the gameplay scenes, they were showing the cutscenes.
1: That's why the adverts and I all have uh, not gameplay footage at the bottom, yeah. so that people don't get burned by that. But yeah. I'm pretty sure this one I borrowed from a friend, and that was how I first played it. I went through the entire thing pretty much kind of, you know, just focusing and just going through the entire thing, start to finish, and going, OK, the, 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 the Nintendo ones weren't this long. What's with this Chocobo thing? Why do I have to breed them this way? Oh, so I can get that one. Knights of the Round. Okay. Yes, cool.
0: yes what I consider the key to defeating Ruby Weapon. <laughs> Knights of the Round and, yeah, Ruby and Emerald Weapons were the challenges. But The biggest challenge I faced in this game, frankly, was the time I fought Emerald Weapon and realized after the battle started, I forgot to equip the underwater materia, so I had a 20-minute time limit. Oh, yeah. Still beat them.
1: I don't think I ever actually got around to beating them. Because I still haven't finished my most recent playthrough. I was planning to do it on that, but I can't remember where I got. And again,
0: PSP. I downloaded it for that. It's about somewhere. I'll get to it again eventually. <sighs> yeah, you should know... They each will will counterattack with Ultima, but only under certain conditions. I believe it's Emerald Weapon that counterattacks physical hits. Uh-huh. And Ruby that counterattacks magic hits. Yes, yeah, so... Emerald is a little bit easier to face because you can come in with three members of your party. And if you go magic heavy, you don't have the ultimate counterattacks to deal with it. It's a matter of just damage per second. If you have the underwater materia, you can do it in unlimited time. It lets you breathe underwater. Otherwise, you've got a 20-minute time limit for any battle underwater. Yeah. Ruby weapon is much more challenging because if you go in with more than one active player, it'll swat two of them out of the battle. You can only face Ruby one-on-one.
1: It's the desert one, yes?
0: Yeah, that's the desert one. You can actually see its, its tentacles coming out of the sand by the gold saucer. You can see them both. They're not random encounters. My strategy for ruby weapon, I would kill off the two characters I didn't want to use in the grassy area prior to it. Because if they're dead and stated, it doesn't swat them out. It just keeps your active character. I would come in with cloud. I would make sure that I had a maxed out Knights of the Round paired with a maxed out HP drain. And then counter and magic counter maxed out, both linked to mimic. Ooh. And if you make sure that your magic is over 200, you can probably survive. You go in and you hit him with Knights of the Round. And then, you know, it'll counterattack. It's gotta hit you twice in that first round. So you cast Knights of the Round, and then you leave it alone. Because from then on, like, you know, when you cast it, you can you'll restore Cloud to full health, because Knights of the Round sends the 13 Knights of King Arthur's round table. <laughs> and a maxed out HP drain means 10% of the damage you incur is taken as healing points, and they will do more than 99,999 damage. So you get the 9,999 heals, you're back up to full health after every attack. So if you can survive two hits of his ultima attack, the first is the counterattack, the second one he just hits you, then you magic counter with Knights of the Round and get brought up to full health, and just sit and watch every time he hits you, you hit him harder and get restored to full health. Yeah. And there was actually a very amusing Christmas where we had you know, all the extended family over. My cousin's boyfriend at the time, she married someone much better. He <laughs> found out I had Final Fantasy VII, said he'd never seen the ending, so I loaded up the save game, was about to go in and face off against Sephiroth when my mom called for my help setting up the dinner. So I said, okay, you know, walked away and all we had to do was step into the battle. He was a bit of a jerk and decided to be amusing to go in and let Sephiroth beat me up. And so he was just had the characters walk in wasn't going to have them do anything and let Sephiroth try to kill me before I came back. And when I came back about, like, five, ten minutes later after helping Mom set up whatever it was in the kitchen, he was furious, and all my other cousins in the room were laughing because my characters defeated Sephiroth with counterattacks without anyone pushing any
2: buttons.
0: (laughs) Because, you know, I was trying to get everyone geared up so that anyone could take on Ruby Weapon. Yeah. But in the Sephiroth battle, it rotates between three positions, and, yeah, I had some of them where it's, like, counter, cast Knights of the Round, some of them where it's counter mine because I didn't have them all there. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think I maxed out my characters to beat Zephyroth. I
1: think it was mostly Clyde and Vincent using his limit break. That's that's how mm-hmm. I beat him originally. But it was a while ago.
0: Depending on how strategically you play, you can comfortably beat him with characters between that the high 30s and the low 50s.
2: Yeah.
0: Like I said, I was at like 75 by the time I finished disc one. So Yeah.
1: I think I was probably 75 when I actually faced him, give or
0: take. Yeah. For... Emerald Weapon and Ruby Weapon, yeah, you want higher. If, like me, you go against Emerald Weapon without the underwater materia, I strongly recommend not using Knights of the Round, just because animation (laughs) takes so long. I would use Ultima. You get more damage per second with Ultima than Knights of the Round. Yes,
1: Knights of the Round is the longest cutscene of anything that is unskippable,
0: and you can't do anything about it. I strongly suspect that Knights of the Round is the reason all future Final Fantasy games gave you the option to have long, short, or random animations for your summons.
1: Although, there, there is a slight kind of
0: reason to keep it in for the next game, Final yeah. Fantasy It. Yes, first released in Japan on February 11th, 1999, North America September 9th, 1999, and PAL October 27th, 1999. So Sony seems to value the European market much more than Nintendo do, or than uh, Nintendo of America did.
1: It means you can get the hype by it globally and get all of the things, all of the you know, various promotional things. Just translate them, get them out. It gets you the money back quicker.
0: Yeah, and when you're getting into the late 90s, you're also getting into the era of high-speed internet where it's like, okay, this is now fairly easy to pirate. And there are people who will pirate this game because they want to play it that badly who will not pirate the game if we can give them legal access to it.
1: But yeah, it it annoys me for one specific reason, and that's because they swapped out Rama. Rama is my summon monster. Wow. Well, He's not really a monster. You know, Mm. he's a cool guy, long beard, lightning-based. He's awesome. They switched him for Quetzalcoatl. That disappointed me. I was sad.
0: Yeah, for me, Final Fantasy VIII was... Part of it, apparently I'm told this is down to the translation, the story didn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) You have a cast of eight or nine core characters who grew up at the same orphanage, but only one of them remembers that and doesn't mention it ever. (laughs) Hehehe. If he remembers it at all, he's just, yeah, I knew that. It's just no one else was saying anything, so I didn't either. It's like, okay, are you saving face? Or did everybody just forget you grew up together? And nobody noticed that they had no childhood memories of any kind. It it was the one that went heaviest, I think, into the sci-fi elements. Mm. There's barely magic. It did change the magic system, right? This is one where you don't just have general magic points. You've got spell-specific magic points that have to be drawn from points on the map or stolen from monsters who can cast those spells. The one that got me in this is the way that the enemy levels scale. Because in this one, the level of the enemies you face at any point on the map is based on the average level of characters in your party. And aside huh. from one fairly short story arc, you must have Squall in your party at all times. So Squall tends to have a much higher character level than everybody else. If Squall is the only one that takes action in a battle... Right? So if you've got a level 80 Squall, level 10 Selfie, and a level 15 Zell... You go into battle, Squall fights first, kills the guy in one hit, only Squall gets experience. You can't just be present in the party, you have to actually do something to share experience from a battle. The final boss, unfortunately, scales according to the character level of your highest party member. (laughs) And because my Squall was so much stronger than the bosses we were fighting, because my other characters were so much lower, I didn't bother upgrading his weapon past the second level. And upgrading weapons in 8 is how you upgrade your limit breaks. Yeah, I went into that boss I had my graphing calculator handy to keep track of how much damage I was doing because I found walkthroughs because I had a hard time beating it the best I ever did was to get that boss down to the last 327 hit points so this is the point where like my healer can step forward with a stick and kill this thing but I just didn't survive long enough to land that blow but if I had managed to upgrade the weapon to Lionheart I would have slaughtered it.
1: Yeah that was an interesting way they did the kind of leveling up in this because you had to collect various different items scattered across the world for some of them to get the recipes yeah and you know it it kind of made you want to explore the entire game and make sure you went to all of the places once you realized that was a thing
0: yep it even had a a psp component so if you had the portable playstation (laughs) there was there were elements of the game and minigames built in that you couldn't play any other way it wasn't the
1: psp it's the pocket Pocket Station. Pocket Station. Yeah. That was something that I don't think we actually got released over here. Essentially, it came out during the era of Tamagotchis. Little creatures that were on little devices that, you know, you basically played around with. You fed them, you watered them, you cleaned up their, you know, leavings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was a thing back then. They've probably made a comeback by now and gone away again, and they're due to come back again sometime soon. But... There was basically a game for Final Fantasy VIII that was the equivalent of this, where you have a little chocobo that runs around on a map and collects items and does little battles, and you can play this away from the PlayStation. And then, once you kind of finished up with that, you plug it back into your PlayStation, it transfers the information, and you get the
0: items in your actual Final Fantasy game. Yep. And the reason I stopped upgrading a lot of the weapons and just went by stats is because One of the weapons for one of the characters can only reach its maximum level with items that are exclusive to that little Chocobo game. Yep. Now, the PC version, I'm pretty sure, came with it as a kind of separate app,
1: so you could still get it, because there's obviously no way you can plug a PlayStation component into the PC. And it may or may not be running currently on my PC,
0: just because it's fun.
1: Because you don't have to do anything either. It just runs in the background as well.
2: It
0: does, and that's how I found out about it, because when I got the game guide for my second playthrough, they were out of the PlayStation game guide, but they have the PC version. And I believe this is actually the first game that was... Oh, no. um, Sorry, Final Fantasy VII was also Windows PC, but that was the first one that was multiple system exclusive. The deal with Nintendo was Nintendo exclusive. The deal with Sony was, we are your exclusive console. If you want to go to the PC or Macintosh market, go ahead. Because they didn't view it as being sort of the same target audience.
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't get it for the PC, the 7. Mm-hmm. I got it for the PC as part of a bundle that I bought yeah. recently. Well, I say recently, within the past, like, five years. But, you know, I I this I was console gamer. That's what I focused on at the time. So,
0: Yep, I, I had a friend of the family who got it for the PC because he kept seeing all the TV ads, said it looked cool, but he was having a heck of a time playing it, and I went over there, and uh, I ended up getting him a Gravis gamepad for Christmas because... Final Fantasy was not the kind of game you wanted to play on a keyboard. No, it's not that the keyboard control were bad. It's like you can't translate to the keyboard better than they did, and it was totally mm-hmm. configurable if you felt like it. But some games just—they're meant for the gamepad. Yup. All right. Some of them just work better that way, you know? Just yeah. X button. X button. Yep. So, do you have any favorite characters from Eight?
1: Quistis. She was generally quite awesome. She has her whip. She has her kind of awesome glasses, and. You know, I just like her in general. She, mm-hmm. she was the basically the main person in charge until you have to make Squall in charge mm-hmm. for no reason. I still don't understand why we did that. She was the she was the kind of professor person, you know? Much better. Better qualified.
0: Yeah. She was a teacher, and that, that was part of my issue with the game is I didn't like the relationship that they represent between teacher and student here. There, there seemed to be some sexual tension starting from her for her student. Uh, my personal favorite was Zell. Again, Monk's. Yeah. So he was the one where I did upgrade all the equipment. His final limit break was, was quite good. But yeah, 7 is one I never really cared for. Partly because, like I said, the story made no sense. Probably because I wasn't a fan of the game mechanics and had that frustrating experience in the final battle. And I just had a hard time replaying it. Partly because the Triple Triad mini game doesn't entertain me, but is also key <laughs> to checking every box and getting every item. Yeah.
1: I got good at that at one point. I can't play it again now. I need to relearn the
0: bloody thing. <laughs> uh, the Final Fantasy Portal app has it, but we'll get to that later.
1: Now, the 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 main spoiler for this game, do we want to talk about it? Because it's something that took me ages to realize. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So in the game, at certain points, you get flashed back in time. You get stuck back in the past, controlling different characters from, you know, an earlier time. One of which is called Laguna. And generally, that's the person who kind of takes over for Squall stuff. So all the stuff you had on you at the time relates to Squall stuff.
0: Yeah, he will have Squall stats. Any experience you build as Laguna gets translated to Squall. So yeah, even I said you have Squall in your party the whole time. Laguna takes his place, so you're still building Squall when you're playing with Laguna. Mm -hmm. But continue.
1: So pretty much the, the way the Laguna and co kind of refer to it as, oh, the fairies are back, meaning that your characters are helping them out. Eventually, you end up meeting him, and he's awesome and everything, and something that I didn't realize until long, long after I finished playing the game is he is Squall's father. Mm -hmm. I did not realize this. They tell you it basically in the game. They don't come out and say it explicitly, I don't think, but it it still didn't click with me for some reason. I was going, oh, right, because that's why one of the characters gets put in the orphanage with one of the other specific characters who's responsible for the time travel stuff because she was looking after him. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it took far too long for me to realize that. Far, far too long.
0: Yeah. Uh, The translation didn't help because... Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. The other issue I have with 8 is when it came out, a lot of the adult players, like myself, found Squall as very shallow. Whereas a lot Uh of the teenage players were like, no, he's super deep. And the adult players were like, No, he's going through the same crap every single person who's ever been a teenager has gone through. He feels deep and he's (laughs) resonating with you because it's what you're going through now. But every adult's like, been there, done that. We've all been there, you know, wondering who he's going to grow up to doesn't automatically make him deep. He's a hipster emo person. He is. Because he has the
1: hair over one eye. He has the, the kind of brooding mentality long, long before it was cool or allegedly cool. I don't know what's cool anymore. I'm too old.
2: But
0: you know, one thing, like I said, eight is my least favorite. But one thing I've got to give her credit for, it has by far my favorite arrangement of the Crystal Theme, which is one of the Ooh. music themes that's been there from the start.
1: Mostly when you die. Pretty yeah. sure it's the one that shows up when you die. But yeah, sometimes you want to die to hear it.
0: Yeah, this is in Final Fantasy 8, It plays over the closing credits. The do 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 that piece. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I, that is my favorite rendition of that. And that's The the cutscenes, the opening sequence, it, it felt like the change in tone and the change in story at least helped Nobuo Amatsu get refreshed and come up with new ways to do it. And it could just be that this was the second PlayStation version and he realized he doesn't need to hold back anymore. Final Fantasy VII made so much money that they basically were able to give him a larger orchestra and he used it. I mean, we yeah. haven't spoken as much about the music as we could have up to this point.
1: Kind of seafing it a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it, in short, uh, especially in the 8-bit incarnations, a lot of the games up to this point, the music were just minimal bleeps. They weren't trying to do chords. It was you know just a really basic melody. Whereas it felt to me like Noble Matsu with the Final Fantasies was trying to figure out how can I fit an entire orchestra into these bl- blips and bleeps? And I, I would say for the 8-bit Nintendo, the... The Final Fantasy scores and the Vampire Killer track from the original Castlevania are the only pieces of music that I listen to as music. I've also got soundtracks for some of the tracks from the Mega Man games, but that's more sheer nostalgia (laughs) than actual musical quality. They're not bad, but it's still 8-bit, and the limitations show more in those than they do in the others.
1: Once those type of things get orchestrated, you can get some really kind of fantastic things out of them. Yeah. Because... I have I have heard several of those things turned into fully orchestrated pieces, and mm-hmm. you can't really hear it as 8-bit, but when you with the orchestra, it's just fantastic. The Mega Man 2 mm-hmm. theme yeah. I really love orchestrated. I like it
0: 8-bit as well, but you know. Yeah, I've been to a Zelda Symphony as well. Like the the quality's there. It's just you you have to yeah. bring it out. The melody is there, but the original sound still felt like let's compose it for 8-bit rather yeah. than let's just compose it and then squeeze it into 8-bit. Anyway, so following 8, we had the final PlayStation incarnation of... And the first one I got released, eh? Okay, yeah, Final Fantasy IX. July 7th, 2000 in Japan, November 13th, 2000 in North America, February 16th, 2001 in Europe. Yeah, I went out and I dragged
1: my parents along to get me this thing because I really, really wanted it. I'd played the first two... I think I'd borrowed both of them at this point. I hadn't gotten around to buying them for myself yet, but I really, really wanted the new one so I could play along and finally, you know, experience it before the person that kept lending me the bloody things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this was actually one of the ones that pushed me to get a PlayStation 2. I never had a PS1. And when I found out the PS2 Ah. was backwards compatible, I was like, okay, I bought the PS2 because it was the cheapest cheapest DVD player on the market. (laughs) I I bought Eternal Ring and a couple RPGs that were out on release day as well as a Madden game because the release day options there was a bundle deal when you had to get X number of games Yeah. and the number of RPGs they had in stock was X minus 1 so then I got Ah. Madden as well Ah. and then I went back and got all the PlayStation 1 era Final Fantasy games including actually used copies of Anthology and Chronicles from people in the States because I couldn't find those but I did get the Greatest Hits version of Tactics which we'll discuss in more detail later as well as 7, 8, and 9 I would say that 9 is my favorite of the PlayStation generation games. It was a return to full-on fantasy, which is weird, because in other media, I am a much bigger fan of of science fiction than fantasy. But to me, if you've got fantasy in your title and not science fiction, that should be a fantasy game. (laughs) Just look at the reviews to the first Final Fantasy movie, which we will also get to in this incredibly long podcast. (laughs) do we have to. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but we should at (laughs) least acknowledge it. I mean, it it uses
1: the name Final Fantasy.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it was Final Fantasy IX wasn't just fun because it went full on fantasy. It wasn't just because they returned to four character parties instead of three. (laughs) It wasn't just because it's a nostalgia fest where they actually go back and make references to past games. Like you know, you see a a a gunblade like Squall used in eight, and or you know, a cloud like the buster sword, or sorry, a buster sword like Cloud used. And, you know, you heard a story about somebody who used a weapon like that named after some kind of weather pattern. The the upgrades
1: for a couple of weapons or some, no, um, you can buy two items from the auction house that allows you to listen to a song in the, I think it's the Black Mage Village, uh, which is named after two characters from three.
0: Yeah, there's a a bedtime story you have to assemble at one point, which is actually Joseph's character arc from Final Fantasy II. He's one of the temporary party members and the first character to die. He sacrifices himself to save the rest of the team. But yeah. Yeah, so nine is is great and it's it's got depth and you have to take notes in this game, frankly. Early on <laughs> when you're Steiner, the king of the guard, or the, the head <laughs> of the, the guards, and you're walking around, you meet guards in pairs and overhear some of their conversation. Take notes of who is talking and what they're saying. Because two discs later, when the princess has to assign tasks to the guards, that dialogue is what reveals what the guards are best suited for. And according to the quality of your assignments, you will get higher and higher rewards for how you assign them. It's also
1: got the first speed run in it, I think, that I'm aware of
0: anyway. Yes, and that was the frustrating part with playing it on the PS2. You cannot actually get Steiner's best weapon on the PlayStation 2. Seriously? is it The clock doesn't work? The clock works. The only way to make it to that treasure chest in under the allotted time is to open the cover of your PlayStation One so this video cutscenes do not load. You wow. you literally do not have enough time to run from A to B if you're watching the cutscenes as well. So you have to skip the cutscenes to get there. And in the PS2, you can't skip the cutscenes that way. If you try to eject it, it ends the game. Wow. So it's got to be the original PS1 to get there in the time frame to get Steiner's best weapon. I opened every treasure chest, but if you don't get to that treasure chest on disc 4 in under 12 hours, it's got something else inside. Yeah,
1: I keep meaning to consider trying to maybe do that. No, I'm not doing that. I'd rather play through the game and have fun and, you know, get all my characters up to ridiculously high levels so I can kill stuff. I do remember one thing about Final Fantasy IX, and that's that a lot of people didn't like the change in style for the characters Mm -hmm. because they all had big, massive heads. I mean, people... uh, the people I was talking to about it at the time, they said, oh, I don't really like what they've done with the characters. I loved it.
0: It was great. Yeah, I love the designs. Yoshitako Amano had done the character designs for all of them up to this point, and I think he's even still doing them. Yeah, he's always involved in some way. Yeah, so they, they are great designs, they're more fully realized because they, they actually had simpler polygons than 7 and 8 with much more detailed surface textures, so it gives the impression yeah. of being more complicated, which is part of the reason their heads got bigger. <laughs> but that that's how they manage to use fewer polygon surfaces so that you can have four character parties instead of three. There was also, I've seen a lot of negative flack because there's one where they say, oh, we want to make the Mist Cavern, however? Well, let's just jack up the random encounter rate. There's a lot of elements in this game that aren't random. In that early Mist Cavern, where people are saying, or complain in all the walkthroughs I've seen on GameFAQs, they complain about the super high random encounter rate. When you're in that cavern, there will be Mist running through in currents that's visible on the map. There are two kinds of monsters in that cavern. One is a random encounter at the normal random encounter rates. The other one is a non-random encounter that you will face every single time you walk through a mist current. So if you're collecting your cards for the Tetramaster, which is the built-in card game, you walk through one of the mist currents while it's running to get that card, and then from there, if it's running when you get up there, stop and wait for it to, st- to pass in a few seconds and then walk through And you will not hit that random encounter rate. Similarly, there are friendly monsters that you have to give resources to. So you give them (laughs) ore or gems or garnets, and then they will give you higher and higher rewards and higher gems. And there's a quiz. Yeah.
1: There's a pop quiz. There's a weird monster. I can't remember his name. Is it
0: the Trick Mouse? could be. It's been far too long. I need to revisit now. So
1: it will ask you questions about things within the game, and you have to either kind of go yes by attacking the tick, or no, by attacking the X. I think that's the way round it was. Yeah. Circle, no, circle and X. There'll be a circle and X, won't it? Yeah. And so you hit one, and depending on whether it's not it's right, you get a prize of some kind. But mm-hmm. I can't remember. I think it's either an item or more experience points. It's been a while.
2: Yeah,
0: but yeah, those the friendly monster encounters are also not random. The uh-huh. first one is outside a village. There's a little forest, and after yeah. replaying it many many times, I realized that. If the first monster encounter you face in that forest is on a particular corner of the hexagon uh, at the top of that forest sprite, you are guaranteed to face that friendly monster. Oh. If you, if your first encounter in that forest is anywhere else, you will not face that, that monster. So if you go in, you have a battle It's not the friendly monster, you leave the forest and go back in. So again, I've seen people online complaining about going back and forth in that forest for four hours and not facing this thing, and I can use the encounter in like two or three minutes tops. And there's probably a reason why
1: they did it that way.
0: So you can do that. Yeah, and that's, there's even character dialogue that hints that this is the way to do it. That they, there's very <laughs> special spots that they like, and they'll tell you like which forest it's in, and you just have to find the spot within the forest. And it, one, it actually says one corner of the forest, which is why I tried finding one of the corners and found the corner that works. <laughs> and it's it's the one that appears as the top corner if you orient the camera so that you're facing the town that you came from. So the corner of that hexagon closest to the town is where you encounter. And all the friendly monster encounters are like that. First encounter in that region, in that spot on the map, and it's the friendly monster.
1: Was this the first one where the overworld kind of rotated when you were walking? Or was that an earlier one? Was that eight? That was maybe eight. Trying to remember.
0: Yeah, I, I don't remember five and six kind of scaled, or four, five and six scaled, but they didn't rotate. They were just at an angle with the mode seven graphics.
1: Yeah. When you hop into airships, you tended
0: to change perspective usually. Yeah, on the PlayStation era for sure. I don't remember about that for the for six. I know in four and five it was still just the sprite over the map. Yeah. But I think six might have done that with the mode seven graphics. Hmm. Anyway, this uh, favorite characters from nine. Vivi. If yeah. you couldn't guess from the picture, I love Vivi. Vivi is awesome. Yeah, Vivi, he's the black mage. Vivi, I mean, the, the Amarant is a cool monk in this game, or the black belt. And I'm also going with Vivi. Yeah. So you've heard my other choices. You know what that means.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, as a runner-up, I would probably go with Garnet or Iko, or Dagger or Ico, <laughs> just
0: because summoners. Summoners are awesome. Yeah, plus Garnet actually has a great character arc. Yes. So. So that's 9 is great, and a lot of people complain about how it's young and goofy and more... I wouldn't say it's aimed at a younger audience, but it is more appropriate for younger audiences than 7 and 8 were. I mean, considering the games aren't sequels, I mean,
1: they can be whatever they want to be. You could do one where it's kind of all completely serious, and you could do one where there's a lot more humor if you really want it. Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, if people don't like it, well, there's other options. There are. Play one of the earlier ones.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. So from here, we actually have the PlayStation 2 generation with Final Fantasy 10,
1: which I actually bought a PS2 for. This is the reason why I got a PS2. This is the era where I start doing that crap. <laughs> yeah. So, PS2 was bought specifically because I wanted to play 10, and I bought the PlayStation, I got home, I loaded it up, and then realized I'd have to go back to the shop the next day because hey, memory cards are a thing. Yes.
0: Okay, so the Japanese release was July 19th, 2001. North American release was December 17th, 2001. The European release was May 24th, 2002. So it took a little bit longer to come out than the rest, but you guys actually got excuse me uh-huh. a, a, a different version. Because this game, again, they like to change the mechanics periodically. They did away with the character levels. Instead, you had the sphere grid, and you can oh, yeah. get incremental improvements in your characters by going through the sphere grid. In Europe, you got a different grid than we got.
1: Yep. Yeah. We also got something else that was really ridiculously fun, but also really ridiculously annoying. The Dark Aeons. They 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 are great if you're kind of, you know, looking for a challenge. But if you're wanting to go back to grab, you know, that sphere you missed that would give you more of Oren's, you know, if not limit breaks in this one, Overdrives?
0: Yeah, Overdrives.
1: So if you want to upgrade his Overdrive, you kind of have to defeat at least one or two of them. Okay. Yeah, I haven't done just that annoy. yet.
0: Apparently a lot of those elements are in the 10, 10-2 remastered. They are. So I've got that for the PS4, and I'm still working through, but I haven't worked through far enough to get that. <laughs> I have. It's fun. I haven't fought any of
1: them properly. I did accidentally run into Valfour mm-hmm. whilst exploring. I went, oh, I didn't want to come down this way. I was just leveling to kind of complete my, my monster grid. Oh, damn, i dead. I was completely unprepared. Okay. That that's something that I did really love for this one that they had a reason to go back and fight all of the previous monsters so you can unlock even harder mm-hmm. monsters to fight at will. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's got a practically useless main character. The, 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 I mean, Titus mm-hmm. doesn't really contribute much to the
0: story. It's about Huna. Yeah. It is. Yeah, Titus provides the outsider's viewpoint to bring the viewers in, because there are some elements to Yuna's story that would not have the emotional impact they do if it's told mm. from the perspective of someone who's familiar with this culture and this history. Pretty much. But yeah, they they do a few very unique things with the main characters in this. There are secrets about Yuna, about Tidus, about Orin, and, and there are secrets about other characters too, but they're revealed fairly early on. Those are the ones that come later in the game. Yeah. The only one I saw coming was Orin's because <laughs> there are hints about that one that I picked ah. up on. And replaying it, there are hints about the others too, but they are much more subtle. So I didn't... It's one of those things where it's like only in retrospect did I see that it was set up.
1: Yeah, certain elements of this game I did not pick up on the first time through. Playing through it now, I'm going, that's what they meant? Oh, this makes a whole lot more sense this time. Like, uh, the Hymn of the Faith being a song from Xenarkind hmm And there may be reasons as to why everyone sings it and why things keep happening the way they do. I went, oh, okay. Did yeah. not realize that. It's well done. It's a very well laid out story.
0: It is. This is my favorite of the PS2 generation, Final Fantasies.
1: And it's the first one to have a direct sequel,
0: as far as I know.
1: i say mm-hmm. chronologically,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we will get there and it's the sequel to 10 came out before Final Fantasy 12. So remember people online going, why are they calling it 10-2? Why did not they just call it 12? People like cuz 10-2 and 12 are two different games. Yeah. At least they didn't use Roman numerals.
1: That would really confuse things.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> um the next or actually we should do favorite characters Ooh. from 10 before the next one.
1: Mine is Oren. Oren has the best story and he carries a big sword. He just Chops everyone down, and he killed most of the things for me.
0: And he has the greatest individual character theme, which is why he's also my favorite. That's a part of it. The doom, doom, doo 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 doo, doo doo When we release this, I really should take out my own vocalizations and put in like the actual audio tracks.
1: No, 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 no. You should put in your your audio on top of it, so you can sing along with it.
0: I don't know how well synchronized that is. I might have to re-record if I'm doing that one. <laughs> but yeah, he is easily my favorite, and also his, his personality. He's just the guy that gets things done. He's yeah, screw convention. We have a job to do, and this is how we're going to do it. I don't care if it's not the way it's always been doing. It's always been done. Tradition is horribly, horribly broken. So we're gonna replace it with something else. The last time I followed tradition,
1: bad stuff happened. That's yeah, basically it.
0: Yep, yeah. it's that didn't work out so
1: well. So what's next? Yeah, and that's why Oren is one of the best. And poss- I could possibly cosplay him. I'm getting to the point where I'm old enough, I still have enough hair, so I-, I could cosplay as him as long as I can make the costume, which I can't,
0: but it would be still cool. Yeah, and you have to have that bottle of sake hanging from your, yeah. your waist as well. So yeah, he will often drink wine, sometimes in the middle of battle. And set his sword on fire. Yep. He's so freaking cool. <laughs> so next up, Final Fantasy XI Online. This is the first Final Fantasy game I made a conscious choice not to play because the time I had available was not... I This came out when I was in grad school. There is no possible way I could guarantee I'd have time to play even once a month for a monthly subscription service, and I've already found I don't have the time to dedicate to stay competitive in online games. Damn. So I have never actually played Eleven.
1: Do you remember when I said I bought a PS2 to play 10? I built my first PC to play 11. Prior to this, I had bought myself a laptop. Yay for working and getting taxed, and then getting taxed at the wrong tax code, and then getting that money given back to you once your correct tax code is sorted. Because got a nice, happy, shiny laptop out of that. Well, during my kind of first year of university, I kind of added some lemon fenta to my laptop, which you know, makes it not work as well. The keys got a little bit sticky and, you know, things stopped working. So I figured, well, I want a PC so I can actually play games and it might be helpful for university stuff. One of those things went very well. The other one, not so much. Feel free to guess which one. But I built built a PC. I figured out how to do it and it was a lot of fun. And I got to play Final Fantasy XI. I remember enjoying it for the time I had it and... I planned to go back into it, but I forgot my password, and just lost track of what I was doing in it, and I have not had a chance to go back into it since. I did buy the map book, which has illustrations by Mr. Amano. I keep forgetting his first name. Yoshitako. Yes, thank you. And it is really pretty, and that's the most I remember about it. But uh, it did have one of the most annoying things in any Final Fantasy game ever. When you died... As a punishment, it took off XP, so Ooh. you could start a fight at one level and finish it at a different one, in a detrimental way, Oh, because you're dead.
0: Yeah, that so, would be irritating.
1: I don't know if they fixed it, because they could have changed things after I finished playing, because the thing about online games like this is they release expansions, they release upgrades, they release changes. They're essentially always evolving and introducing new elements, which is a really good way of keeping people playing Mm -hmm. i think i got i did actually buy a nice cheap version with the three uh two expansions in it and never got around to installing it because then my pc died and never got around to installing it and it's probably dead somewhere with Mm -hmm. the unused code it's very sad But I do remember joining a free company or whatever the equivalent was back then and being able to play the card game with them whilst waiting for various different things to load up. I've mainly focused on being a black mage and a white mage with a little bit of dabbling into scholar or not scholar summoner. At some point, I think I wanted to kind of get the summon monsters because again, summon monsters are cool Mm -hmm. and you know. I eventually couldn't keep up with the subscription because I actually had to, you know, live away from home for university and, you know, I had to buy... What's the word? Um, Food? Food! Food! food. That's the word. Food. Games are lower down on the list than food. There there is a priority of needs. Games are still below food.
0: Sorry. Yeah. Possibly not by much, but yes, they need to be lower.
1: Above oxygen, below food. Really weird system I have. Um, But yeah, that was basically how things went. From what I understand from other people who have played it, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, if I hadn't played it, I possibly wouldn't have considered playing 14. We'll get to that.
0: Yeah, so our original release dates on this one were May 16th, 2002 in Japan, October 28th, 2003 in North America for the PC, and September mm-hmm. 16th, 2014, again, PC for the European version. The Xbox 360 and PlayStation 2 versions did come out in 2006 and 2002, respectively, as well as iOS versions and Android versions in 2016, the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 2 versions terminated on March 31st, 2016. Yeah. So this is the first one that you can just no longer play if you bought it in a particular format.
1: Mm -hmm. The PlayStation 2 one took a while to come out, as far as I'm aware, because they introduced the... What do you call it? The the hard drive? That was how you Mm -hmm. you had to have the PlayStation 2 hard drive in order to play this. And I don't know that they ever actually released that over here. I don't think they did, but I could be wrong. But I had no reason to buy it.
0: Yeah, I don't remember even seeing it for PlayStation 2 in North America. I only ever remember seeing the PC version. And I suspect it was that hard drive because you had to be able to expand the online games.
1: Yeah, it may just be that it was released in Japan with the hard drive and that was it. Yeah, uh,
0: from there we got to Final Fantasy XII, the last of the PlayStation 2 generation, and the first actual sequel in the core series, which is not a <laughs> sequel to anything in the core series. Basically, one of the PlayStation 1 games that's a spinoff we'll get to is Final Fantasy Tactics. In yeah. Final Fantasy XII, that takes place in the same world about 150 years later. So when they're talking about the past to these great heroes and how the world changed and what problems they're dealing with now, all that mythology is Final Fantasy Tactics. This had a license board in it, so as you're going through, you get license points in addition to your character levels, which allow you to unlock new abilities or, you know, specific equipment. So it's not just can equip swords, it's can equip that sword. Yeah. Um, And every character starts with their own license board and their own spot on it, although summon monsters can only be unlocked by one character. So one character unlocks it, nobody else can.
1: I still have not unlocked any summon monsters on my current playthrough, because I don't know which ones I want to be chosen for each character yet. I've I've just gotten the second license grid, because you can get up to two, you have a choice of um, any of them, you can make everyone do the exact same job, but let's be honest, I like to have some sort of balance, or at least some sort of synchronicity, so I had them split perfectly evenly amongst amongst all of the characters I have. I still only mainly use about three characters.
0: Yeah, and that second second license board was something that was originally exclusive to the PAL version. It came out March 16, 2006 in Japan, October thirty first, 2006 in North America, and the PAL version was February twenty third, 2007, and that's the one that has the International Zodiac Job System. Mm -hmm. This year's Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age PS4 release, includes that International Zodiac Job System for the North American audience. I still haven't picked that version up.
1: That's the one I'm currently playing. I do have the PS2 version floating around somewhere. I started playing it in 2007. I started my current job in 2007. I got a tax rebate in 2007 and bought a PlayStation and a new TV. That PlayStation was the original PS3, which allowed you to do backwards compatible stuff. Mm -hmm. It died, which meant I could no longer continue to play Final Fantasy XII. As did mine. Yeah. Really freaking annoying.
0: Yeah, I've got a bunch of PS2 and 3 games that I can't play on the PS4, although it is still PS1 compatible. I bought a second PS3, so I can still play my PS3 games. I have my PS2
1: somewhere, it just about works, uh, but I don't think I've got the controller for it anymore. I think I lent it out to someone so I can't play certain games because it doesn't have the dual... What do you call it? The specific yeah, dual controller shelf. for it. Yes, thank you. And so certain things won't allow me to play them because I don't have that. Yeah. Stupid. System knowing what things I plug into it.
0: So, Final Fantasy 12 I personally didn't have a lot of standout favorite characters from this one. I enjoyed the mechanics, but none of the characters stood out in gravity. Me. I, mean, I if- kind of like Ash,
1: mostly because she's my main character and she kills everyone. The fan, again, doesn't really have much in the way of kind of personality and story for me. Ooh, Balthier. He's a sky pirate. I forgot about that. I like him. Yeah. He has his own airship. Why wouldn't you like him? Him and Ash. We'll go with that.
0: Okay. All right. And I should have asked about your 11 favorites.
1: My favorite character was a character called Hiko Ite. He was a black mage who was trained to be a white mage and a summoner. And he was awesome because he was my character. Okay. That I made all by myself. He was a little short tari-tari character. I think that's the right one, is it? That's the right race. Basically, he's a short dude with a weird kind of black nose. And he, you know, I was planning to get him the nice hat and the right coat so he could look like Phoebe, basically. Okay. And, you know, he was pretty cool. There are actual characters in the game that have names. I don't remember very many of them except for Shantoto. But he was my character. I played as him. He was the best.
0: Yeah. If I were to pick a favorite, I would say Shantoto. But that's entirely because of Record Keeper, not because of 11. (laughs) Yeah. We'll get to record keeper for
2: sure. Yeah.
0: So from there we go to the PlayStation 3 generation, which is Final Fantasy 13.
1: Yep. Again, it was coming out in January, so in 2007. It was released 2008 or was that 2010?
0: Uh, for 13, it was Japan was December 17, 2009. North uh, America and Europe got it simultaneously March 9, 2010.
1: That's the. Re- I realize what I was doing now. I bought my second PlayStation 3 in December of 2009 because I had pre-ordered 13. And since my PlayStation had died, I really needed to get the, the thing ready so I could play the bloody thing. It's one of the two. Generally, yeah. it works out like that.
0: It does. This was the one that introduced the Ruin spell, which Ooh. is, you know, the powerful non-elemental Black Mage spells. Because with the exceptions of Flare and Ultima, yeah, you know... You had some really high-end, powerful, non-elemental spells, but the most of the lower-level Black Mage spells all had some elemental attributes. Which is really annoying when you're trying to fight a bomb with a fire spell. Yeah, it does mean that you have to put a lot more thought into what's going into it, and some of the tougher battles the first time through, you can go, oh, well, that just healed him, I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) Whereas at least with Ruin, it won't necessarily do as much damage as an element that the boss is vulnerable to. But at least anyone who gets hit by it will be damaged. You're not going to accidentally heal your opponents.
1: Yeah. And this had another new kind of leveling system. I'm trying to remember what specifically they called it was. it. Is it the Crystarium? Is that this one? I think so. That sounds right. So it's kind of similar to the Sphere Grid, where you kind of work your way through things.
0: But it's been so long since I played this. Yeah, it's wow. been a while for me too, because I enjoyed it. And particularly enjoyed the character of Lightning, but... It's not one I've ever replayed. So I picked it up pretty much on release, finished it in 2010, and haven't gone back to it. So, I think it was 12 was the one where your limit breaks were called Quickenings.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyone who's been in the room when I played it will know, because that's, every time I hit someone with one, I, you know, sit there watching the animation, I do a bad Sean Connery expression with the
2: uh, sensation
0: (laughs) you're feeling is the Quickening.
1: (laughs) I'm not gonna not be able to do that now. Damn it! (laughs) But yeah, 13 stuff it did something kind of interesting with the summons where instead of just being your own summon monster that you could bring in through various kind of spells and whatnot it was the equivalent of your limit break in this wasn't it i believe so yeah and it also turned into some sort of vehicle mm-hmm. all of them became some sort of random vehicle and i don't know why they went that way but it's kind of cool in some cases Uh, shiva Mm -hmm. becomes twins who turn into a freaking motorcycle yep was a hectare was a car is that the right one bahamut was a freaking jet yeah because he's awesome who were the other ones in this i can't remember
0: yeah it's been so long i think anima was one Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a quality game my my lack of replay and my lack of clear memory on it are not a reflection of the quality of the game, they're a reflection of how much time I've had to play games, and the fact that because this came out when I was already in my 30s, it doesn't have the nostalgia to replay like the ones I grew up with.
1: Not when they released this game, they were also working on another game that was going to be part of this whole Fantasy Christa Novalis, I think was the term for it.
0: Uh, Fabula Nova Crystallis Final Fantasy yes. Collection. Yeah.
1: Thank you. So it's all going to be part of this whole kind of series with Thirteen is the kind of main one, and it didn't quite happen. It kept getting delayed, and then it got shifted to a different platform. And because of that, we have to we have to wait till we get to that because another game came out between them actually getting that thing released.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Thirteen has more direct sequels than any other game.
1: Yeah, they, they
0: really like to expand that
1: story. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because Seven didn't. Seven only got the one direct sequel, and Ten only got the one.
0: Yeah, well seven there's there are a couple things that came out of seven, but there's direct sequels versus expansions in the minigames, but we'll get to those. Yeah. So next up is Final Fantasy fourteen, which was originally just PC. Mm-hmm. So Windows computers again massively multiplayer online. And I believe it's now out for PS four. It was actually released for PS three as well, um, initially. Okay. Yeah. I, I swore I saw it for those, but Wikipedia is only releasing, or is only listing the Microsoft Windows release date of September 30th, 2010.
1: Yeah. It may be, it may be slightly different. I don't know. It's, it, Final Fantasy XIV was never on the PS4 because they got rid of Final Fantasy XIV. Final Fantasy XIV does not exist anymore because they wiped out the world. There was a whole thing because it wasn't doing as well as they would like and because there were certain problems with it they decided to just take the game and redo the entire thing. And that's where the Realm Reborn comes from. And that's where I started playing. Because okay. I skipped out the first part. I missed all of that. Yeah. I started playing 2012-ish, maybe 2013.
0: Yeah, it's it's saying the original version terminated November 11th, 2012, relaunched as Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn on August 27th, 2013. Five years to the day that we're recording since oh, the first version was ended. See? But yes... One of the main reasons I started playing this, I think, I
1: think at this point I'd kind of decided, you know what, it probably would cost me too much money at this point. I'm not going to get into it. But then I went to one of the Distant Worlds concerts Mm -hmm. and I heard one of the songs from it and I went, I kind of want to see what the other music in it is like now. (laughs) Because the song Answers from that is one of the most beautiful songs. And I love listening to it, except for the reprise version that sounds like it's been sung in a while. It's not as good, okay. but the song itself really good. So I tested it in August of that year. I just gave it a try to see if I would like it on like a, I think it was a weekend kind of trial. Most of the servers were kind of filled up. So I ended up on a Japanese server because I didn't expect to make any kind of new friends through it. So I, sta- I stayed on the Japanese server and then I didn't get it. I waited until the February following that and it happened to be on offer. I went, you know what, I'm just going to buy the thing, and I've been playing it ever since. And I changed servers without transferring my character, so I had to start from level 1 again. Technically, it's an alternate version of that character, but they have different names. I got to level 50, and then that was it. Because level 50 was the original level cap, but because of how they did the games, every time they release a patch, it continued on the game further. And further and further you introduced new things, but you just couldn't increase your level and give you gear that increased your level. You know, you had a specific gear level that was much higher than your actual level that allowed you to fight more powerful monsters and bosses and whatnot. And expanded the story further past the initial section. Mm-hmm. But they've had two expansions since, and it's been really, really fun. I I am buying the music for the current expansion whenever it comes out because I love the Japanese style they've put into it, because you've gone to a Far Eastern area. The first mm-hmm. expansion took you to kind of a snowy, mountainous area where you get to fight a whole bunch of dragons, and the new one takes you to kind of Far Eastern-style area where you get to kind of see lots of beautiful Japanese architecture. It's
0: great. Oh, and you get samurais. All right. You mentioned you wanted to get the soundtrack when it comes out. The Far Edge of Fate. Heroes and Frontiers... Are, those soundtracks are both already available in the iTunes stores at the time of this recording. Yep.
1: The one I'm looking for is the Stormblood one, though. The Far Age of Fate, I think, covers the expansions up to a certain point. No, not the expansions, the patches up to a certain point for Realm Reborn. I'm having trouble keeping track these days.
0: There's yeah. far too many things. <laughs> yeah, when I search for Final Fantasy in the album section, or Final Fantasy XIV, it's giving me Far Age of Fate... Yours and Frontiers, as well as 13, 15, 7, 10, Lightning Returns, which we'll get to Before the Fall, Final Fantasy Fourteen, yeah. From Astral to Umbral, and then... Heavensward? Yeah, A Realm Reborn, Duality, Heavensward, Volume 1. There we go. Before Meteor, and then the rest of these are for other games, yeah. which we should mention. <laughs> okay.
1: Start. Duality is an interesting soundtrack I haven't had a chance to listen to yet, but it's re structuring of previous songs from
0: 14. So, okay. Anyway, so there's only one left in the core series. 2 hours into our yep. conversation. Final <laughs> Fantasy 15 originally released worldwide for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox 1 on November 29th, 2016. And I still haven't finished it. Yeah. I'm bad. I I enjoy it, but I have I am now in the management team at work, and there have been staff shortages and yeah. other things this year, so not as much time yeah between that and what I need to do for my other podcasting commitments I'm playing a lot of the mobile games but if they're not on mobile I'm not making the time to sit down in front of the console and play yeah so I've enjoyed what I have played but it's been so long that when I do it I'm going to have to restart and lose those eight hours I put in to play something else (laughs) I think it was about eight hours I got through the first eight Monster Hunt subquests
1: yeah if I were you I just wouldn't restart I'd just read up on it briefly yeah I don't think it ours in that you've necessarily done much.
0: No, at the very least, I think <laughs> this one actually has a gameplay tutorial on the main menu, uh-huh. which I would redo because there's a yeah. definite definite change in game mechanics.
1: Yeah, this one you don't get to play as a team. Basically, it's it, I mean, thirteen was kind of similar, where mm-hmm. you're kind of focused as controlling one character. I'm pretty sure you could switch in thirteen.
0: You could, yeah. You could give anyone specific the other characters. Commands. Yeah,
1: yeah. Whereas with this one you are one character you're controlling it more it's i would compare it to the zelda games more because you're in charge of one character and what he can do and his movement and the other three team members you know they react to what you're doing Uh, you can give them commands a little bit you can ask them to help you but it's more focused on you fighting controlling the one character who is a prince which is
0: lovely yeah you are playing as noctis and as far as the other characters are concerned like You could say, play aggressively, play defensively, right? Mm. Or fight aggressively, or fight defensively. Like, you could dictate the style, but not the individual commands, unless it's, you know, some sort of joint command where you say, hey, come here, we're going to do this together. So, you can go,
1: be aggressive, be aggressive, and that's about it.
2: Yeah,
0: so I remember liking Prompto from the dialogue, but if you're talking about your favorite playable character, for everybody, that's Noctis by default. Pretty much. And this actually... It has taken some flack, partly because every character in that main party is male. hmm And when you combine that with the fact that Sid, the engineer, is an old guy, so they've you know, they've got his granddaughter doing it, which is fine. It's like Sid in mid from five, instead of grandson, it's granddaughter. That in itself is okay and actually good yeah. for developing you know, having a stronger percentage of female characters, which Final Fantasy has frankly been known for. I mean Six was the first time it was a female front and center as the main character with Terra, but they had strong female characters before that. The problem with this is that the character design on Sid's granddaughter, (laughs) it's very much eye candy.
1: Picture, let's say, any generic music video where someone has
0: to wash a car. Yeah. She's slightly more dressed than them, but only slightly. Yeah, and she is a mechanic, so it makes sense to be wearing coveralls or something, because you're going to get covered in grease, you're going to do that, and most people cover it up so it's not all over yourself. She manages to she somehow get a little bit on her face and her clothes, but her bare midriff, her cleavage, none of that ever get any grease on them. Who likes short shorts? She likes short shorts. Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure that's... Yeah. And she she has the rolled up sleeves on the jacket. It's like as much skin as you can show without being completely, you know...
0: Yeah, maybe 10% of her skin is covered, and yet that's where all the grease lands. She wears a hat. Yeah. She has a hat. Yep. That counts, right? It it does. So it's just, yeah, I think the the (laughs) criticisms that the playable characters are too male-centric are valid on that one. It it felt like a step back for the series that has a history of characters like Lightning, my favorite from Thirteen, the focal character is a a woman who kicks ass and takes names
1: i mean had it been what it was initially intended it might have been fine because this was initially meant to be part of the final fantasy 13 universe where it was the whole kind of everything working together so you've got your game with the main female character you've got your little road trip characters here you know and then 15 could have been something else entirely had (laughs) they not just taken what they were doing with one thing and made it 15.
0: Yeah, it was originally announced at E3 two thousand six as Final Fantasy versus thirteen. So there would have been a spin-off of thirteen that was all female and another spin-off of thirteen that was all male, and had they come out pretty much simultaneously as that pairing, that would not have been an issue. But because of the changes since then, it's now a legitimate yeah, issue. Pretty much. Uh, but I think that actually moves us through the core series and into the now we're into the direct sequels of those main yeah. series. Now, what's the
1: best way to handle this
0: chronologically, numerically? Yeah, I've I've got the list of them all up on Wikipedia. So I think let's just do it in that order, in the list of the Final Fantasy video games.
1: Like like I mentioned earlier, I think Ten was the first one to have a direct sequel. But there have been direct sequels for 7, 4, 13,
2: 12,
0: you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah, like I said, this is the easiest way to keep it organized, is the existing list, which appears to be release date. So it starts with Final Fantasy X-2, or 10 2 which is the PlayStation 2 game released in Japan, March 13, 2003, North America, November 18, 2003, and Europe, February 20, 2004. This was the first direct sequel. It was a sequel to Final Fantasy X with an all-female cast. You change jobs by dressing for the job you want, not the job you have. You literally change dresses. If you want to be a white mage, you put on the white mage dress. If you want to be a fighter, you put on the fighter dress.
1: If you want 100% completion, you grab that freaking Moogle suit and don't have that one tiny percent that you can't ever go back and get. Not that I'm bitter.
0: You know the maximum completion percentage on this one is 106, right? You had to get the
1: Moogle suit in order to get the specific ending to get certain things. Yeah. It was the one thing I couldn't
0: get. I couldn't go back and get that. The thing is, when I started playing this... I didn't realize that there were two quests. So you play through it, you finish it, you get a chance to play through it again. And early hmm. in Act 2, or Chapter 2 out of 5, you can choose which side of the Civil War to support. I didn't uh-huh. know we were going to get that choice. I bet your second playthrough, you can make the other choice to hit that full completion percentage. By the time I was done Chapter 1, every character had mastered four of the jobs. See, I didn't do the second playthrough, because I was still trying to figure
1: out how to get the bloody Moogles who...
0: Yeah, you actually can't get... Your maximum completion on one playthrough, you have to play through twice, which also means that if you are a grinder like me, when you come to the end the first time with all your characters maxed, that final boss is a cakewalk because it's <laughs> meant to be faced at about level forty, not about level ninety-nine. You know, which is something that they took from Chrono Trigger, which is mm. it. It comes it's up. It's a cousin. All, yeah, it comes up a lot. It's called a cousin because Square Enix made it as well, and there are some elements in that. It's another Square Enix RPG, but. Totally different stories, totally different characters, no moogles, no chocobos or any of the other common elements.
1: Does have a character that's turned into a frog.
0: Yes. But yeah. So X2, it is enjoyable. It is a, just a different type of game. It mm-hmm. feels more action, less strategy. And it it I'm I don't know, I had issues with it even existing even though I bought it release day, just because like we said, there's secrets about characters in ten. One of which I really, really liked. I, I love the original interpretation. I thought it was a gutsy move. And then mm-hmm. the last 20 seconds of the ending theme, I found, undermined it. And X-2 is continuing along those lines.
1: Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this game, but I was also confused as to why I didn't get to play as Lulu, one of my favorite characters. Because we didn't do the 10 favorite characters either. We forgot about that. Oh, no, we did. We did. It was it was hard, But I liked her, because she had Blackmitch. Like like Blackmitch. Yeah. Again. She... she She had things, and her happily in this one, yeah,
0: yeah. Her happily ever after in Final Fantasy X meant just to show that her story was continuing and they were happily ever after. She chose not to participate in battles because she was pregnant, which I guess makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense in the character space, but the designers didn't have to write that part in. They could have had happily ever after with no kids or the kid already born and left with the husband while she goes off and does the fighting.
1: But they did introduce us to Pian. Yes. Is basically the same character model to me with spiky hair. That's
0: that's what she reminded me of. Somewhat, yeah. It's they were filling in that character dynamic with a new character. Yeah. Which is nice, because you also need a new character in the cast, otherwise it, it feels a little too much like a retread uh, and then where the character arcs. So At least we still had Riku. Yep, I get why they did it, but. so that was the first direct sequel. The second direct sequel was a mobile phone game. Final Fantasy VII (laughs) Snowboarding, released March 29th, 2005. For mobile phones, not iOS or Android, but for earlier model mobile phones. So this is one of the ones I couldn't get because I didn't have hardware that supported it. Ah. In Final Fantasy VII, there's the Golden Saucer that Dave briefly mentioned earlier, which has a casino and an arcade inside. This is one of the games from that arcade on mobile phones. Yeah. So I played it when it was part of Final Fantasy VII. I didn't play it as a standalone. Sam didn't know it existed. It according to this in Europe it doesn't exist. It was Japan, oh, and North cool. America only. When we get to As the mobile games, there's a lot of doesn't exist in this region. The next direct sequel was Final Fantasy XII: Revenant Wings. It came out for Nintendo DS, April 26, 2007 in Japan, North America November 20th, 2007, PAL February 15th, 2008. I bought it. I wasn't going to play it until I finished 12. I did finish 12, but before I could start it, I went through some personal things involving a bad breakup with a family who were serious gamers. When she and the kids moved out and took gaming stuff with them, they took some of my gaming stuff with them, including my DS and all the DS and Game Boy Advance games. So I no longer own this and never actually got to play it. I didn't finish 12,
1: so I never got around to playing it. I think I have it somewhere, somewhere in amongst my games, but I don't know where. I will get to finishing 12 eventually... And I will get around to playing this somehow.
0: Yeah. From there, we get to the the next direct sequel in release order. Final Fantasy IV The After Years, originally released in 2008 for mobile phones, 2009 for WiiWare, and then PlayStation Portable, iOS, Android in 2013, and so on.
1: Didn't realize it was that far back. I thought it was more recent than that.
0: No, I've, wow. got, I've got the WiiWare version. So Japan had it on their mobile oh. phones February 18th, 2008. North America ah. got it for the Wii, June 1st, 2009. Ah. Um, I got it, and I was like, hey, that's it's fairly cheap. It was $5. It was a new Final Fantasy game. It was a direct sequel to 4 in the style of 4, so it was still that 16-bit sound, music, everything. The PAL version came out June 5th, 2009 for Wii, and I was a little irritated when I got into it. It's like, end of chapter 1. Would you like to buy the rest of the story?
2: Ooh.
0: So you could play the first chapter, you could play the final chapter, but each of the characters that you have have their own little story following where they were at the end of Final Fantasy IV, each chapter available separately. That's that's just mean. Yeah, thankfully, when it came out for iOS and Android, it was a little bit more in the initial purchase, but it was the complete game. They didn't do the episodic release thing. So I now have it for iOS. I've got so many of these games for iOS. I've got one, two, three, four, four the after years, five, <laughs> six, seven, nine tactics, plus all the ones that only exist on iOS. But yeah, it is it is good. We get to meet characters like Seador, so you know, it's far enough after Final Fantasy IV that Cecil and Rosa have a child that can come into battle with you. Whoa, okay. They also did full remakes for the PlayStation Portable in 2011. So those ones were not the style of the original Final Fantasy IV. They're the new 3D Polygon style, and that's the versions that were out for iOS or Android, as is the Final Fantasy IV version. When I first bought it for iOS... I was like, hey, they've upgraded the graphics like they did for the DS version of Final Fantasy III. What really surprised me was when the voice acting kicked in because the voice acting traditionally started with 10. Yeah. The PlayStation 2 generation was the first time they had voice acting. And frankly, I knew people, when kids were struggling to read, I was recommending, as I'm a teacher now, I would actually recommend the first nine Final Fantasies because if the kids love video games, you cannot succeed in Final Fantasy without reading. Mm. So it gives them a reason to learn. And it worked for a few students, Final Fantasy X that kinda goes away. But
1: because yeah. they that they, they finally talk. I mean there was minimal voice acting in a couple of the PlayStation ones, but that's
0: about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think mostly in
1: cutscenes from there too. I think seven, only the final one? Oh, oh and the music.
0: Don't yeah. forget the music. Oh yes. Sephiroth. Yeah, Sephiroth, do 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 Sephiroth. <laughs> or eight <laughs> yeah i
1: looked up the lyrics for those ones at one point when they were still new
0: <laughs> i actually bought the four cd set that had the lyrics in the little booklet yep yeah there was also the english translation of the latin lyrics
1: it is translated from latin right that was that one yep the f- yeah. again i remember looking that up at some point before i had the cds and and going oh that's what we're seeing okay Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it means now, but I remember going oh yeah whenever I write it <laughs>
0: okay yeah you know something about you know the children it is thematically perfect Noble Matsu mm. wrote the right lyrics for it and then there's eyes on me from the closing credits he does a good romantic work. theme yeah, yeah Matsu yes. is he I think he's I'm, he's an underappreciated factor of the success in these games uh, the next oh, one he
1: is not that underappreciated if you've been to the car, uh, oh.
0: concerts. concert yeah I, I've been to distant worlds
1: the two distant worlds ones. Yeah. He was at both of the ones that I've been to. We made sure he knew he was appreciated. Okay. I mean, yeah, my yeah. hands are still technically sore.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, he wasn't actually at the one when they came to Edmonton. Fuck. So. The next intended spin off was Fortress, which would have been a spin off of 12. Uh, Grin was developing it, then another studio started developing it, and it just got cancelled. So that one never came out. So oh. clearly, neither of us have played that one. No. We've already discussed Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn from August. 27th, 2013, with the expansion packs Heaven's word and Stormblood. So, next, Final Fantasy 7 G Bike has Android and iOS release dates listed. It was terminated in December 2015 and the international release was cancelled. It was only released in Japan on October 30th, 2014. This is another of the Golden Saucer mini games. Crazy Motorcycle? Yep.
1: Yeah. Again, another one of my favorite themes from that game. Just. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next we have Final Fantasy Grand Masters, which was a 2015 Android and iOS Japan only September 30th 2015 spinoff of Final Fantasy 11. That's all the notes oh. Wikipedia has as Japan only and a spinoff for the core game. I didn't play. I couldn't tell you anything about it. Then we get more detail on the direct sequels to Final Fantasy 7. Yep, there was Before Crisis Final Fantasy 7 Japanese mobile phone September 29th 2004, and it was only on the iMode mobile phones softbank yahoo mobile phones and au easy web mobile phones so it's a prequel of final fantasy 7 dealing with the duelings between the original avalanche organization and the turks which is part of the final fantasy 7 compilation i had no opportunity to play that one
1: meaning it although i think i heard of it
0: so yeah dirge of Cerberus actually came out for the playstation 2 as well as mobile phones so january 26 2006 in Japan, August 15, 2006 North America, November 17, 2006 in Europe. It's a third-person shooter to Final Fantasy VII. And it was pretty fun. Yeah.
1: I enjoyed that one. I never got a chance to finish it. Again, got distracted by things, and then PlayStation 3, I shifted over my save game to that, and then it died.
0: Yeah, Unfortunately, by the time I even found out this existed, yeah, I couldn't find it for sale anywhere. Aww. Next up was Crisis Core, Final fantasy 7 it was a playstation oh, portable yeah. release japan september 13th 2007 north america march 25th 2008 europe june 26 2008 having never owned a playstation portable or the psp i haven't played this one either
1: i believe i got the collector's edition with a nice little art book okay came with it it was fun enough it takes you through the story of Zack, who is a character that you find out about in Final Fantasy VII, and I don't really want to go into much of his story if we're trying to keep 7 spoiler
0: free. Yeah, we we don't want to go into those details, but he is he is tied to the shared backstory between Tifa and Cloud in their childhood. I think we yeah. could comfortably say that much.
1: Also connects to Aerith a little bit.
0: Yeah. So that's the direct sequels to 7 in video game format. We'll get to other formats later. Yes. Next up is the Fabula Nova Crystallis Final Fantasy. So there's a whole chain of these, which sparked out of 13. For example, Final Fantasy Type-0, which was released in Japan October 27th, 2011, and then PS4, Xbox One, and PlayStation Worldwide March 15th, 2015, was originally titled Final Fantasy Agito 13. It was an online RPG, but not massively multiplayer. Was it online? Wow. That's the way Square, Square Enix describes it. I didn't notice any online elements playing my PS4 version. Me it neither. T- it takes place in a different universe from 13 but with a similar mythology, which is oh. why they folded it in. So it was a PSP game that had the the graphics and sound upgrade for the PS4. It's a very different format from the rest. It's not a turn-based battle system. It's more of an it, it's closer to 15 when you're actually in battle, leaping, dodging, fighting, attacking. It's it's more of a Zelda-style yeah. combat. And the characters are named after players or cards in a card deck. Though so not necessarily all English. No. No, I just picked it up last fall. So I've played it a bit, not as much as I'd like. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It was just when I picked it up, it, it was one of three Final Fantasy games with... There, that, Worlds of Final Fantasy, which we'll get to in Final Fantasy fifteen, <laughs> I picked up all three within a very short window. Ah. And haven't had a chance to devote reasonable time to any of them, really. So have you yeah. played it much or
1: i got to a certain point and stopped i think because i maybe got 15 so i started playing it or i got distracted by 14 again okay and i got distracted from 15 by 10 and got distracted from 10 by 12 and so the cycle continues
2: all right
0: so from there we've got a direct sequel to final fantasy 13 namely 13-2 Released in Japan, Aye. December 15th, 2011. North America, January 31st, 2012. Europe, February 3rd, 2012. So just a few days behind there. For the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, PC and iOS and Android, though not in the North American stores. I'm betting those might be Japanese only, because some of these console games, the controls don't translate well to the mobile screen. Not really, now, But yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to play this one? I picked up this and... The the next game that we're gonna mention, but I haven't played either of them because I hadn't I wanted to replay thirteen at least enough to remind myself where the story was before getting into the sequels. But I yeah. had I got these for PS3 and then it died. So <laughs> in the past couple months I I rebought them on Steam when the Final Fantasy games were on sale through Steam. Yeah. So I haven't played them yet, and honestly don't even know if my hardware can handle it. I just figured when I upgrade the computer my Steam account will still be there and then they'll work. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's got time travel elements, which is always fun. So should enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I completed that one. I got the whole way through Thirteen two. Still working on the next one.
0: Uh, the next one being Lightning Returns Final Fantasy 13. Japanese release November 21st, 2013. North America February 11th, 2014. Australia February 13th. And Europe February 14th. So I'm guessing European releases for games are standard on Fridays. Because here they're standard right. on Tuesdays, and there seems to be a three-day lag in the recent releases.
1: I would assume so. I mean, as
0: far as I'm aware, games are released on Fridays.
1: Films are films are allegedly released on Fridays, but not Thursdays or Wednesdays or whatever. Mm. But the main the main releases is Friday, so I think the games kind of adopted that initially and just continued it on.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I think there's the new Pokemon games out in a week or two, and it's a Friday, as far as I'm aware. But hey. I could be completely wrong because things are like that. But I remember buying Final Fantasy IX on a Friday, went to the shop after school, dragged my parents along, so sounds about right. <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, it's more again like 15's playstyle because you've got one character, which is surprisingly Lightning from Final Fantasy Thirteen because she has returned. Mm-hmm. I assume I haven't gotten far enough into it to know exactly what the plot's meant to be, but it's all right. It obviously wasn't kind of gripping me enough to kind of continue playing it right away. So I might have to have another look at it and see how I'm doing once I finish off 15 and 12 and 10 again. You know, all of the other ones I'm also currently playing. Yeah. I think the only ones I don't really have going currently are 1, 2, and 4. Also 9. I'm not currently playing 9.
0: Okay. Yeah, at one point I was going to, because I've got the iOS versions of them, I was going to take them as far as the... Classic and Elite Dungeons in Final Fantasy Record Keeper had gone. <laughs> that became challenging because of the time involved in moving forward and the Record Keeper release schedule. But anyway, we'll get to Record Keeper. <laughs> the next one was Final Fantasy Agito, which is a mobile spin-off for Type-0, which was originally announced as Final Fantasy Agito 13. It was iOS and Android. Japan only, May 14th, 2014. Terminated in November 2015. International release cancelled. Again, never had a chance to play it. Me neither. For all I know, it was
1: folded into maybe the Type Zero release? Probably not, but you never know with these things.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, there was a Final Fantasy Type Zero online for iOS, Android, and PC released. The abbreviation is CHN. China. Oh. It was released in China on December 14th, 2016, and worldwide August 15th, 2017. Okay. Didn't have a clue. Yeah, I don't recall seeing that, and I actually. Fair, search for Final Fantasy in the iOS store fairly regularly. So, this worldwide, maybe like Japan and other countries outside China, but I don't know that it's crept into Canada yet. It wasn't there November 1st, I know that.
1: I'm just typing Final Fantasy into my App Store or Play Store to see what comes up. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. It's all lies. It's not that international.
0: Okay. Next up is Final Fantasy Tactics, which I see as one that you got very, very late. Yep. The original release date. This is a PlayStation 1 game, which we mentioned, because this is... It can be treated as a prequel to 12, except saying the word prequel implies it was released later. This was Mm -hmm. released first, and at the time they had no intention of making a sequel to it, and they just decided to set 12 in the same world. So, released in Japan, June 20th, 1997. North America, January 28th, 1998. The PAL version was October 5th, 2007, for the PSP, so you guys apparently didn't get the original PlayStation. I got it well after releasing the Greatest Hits version, when it was only $10, this is the only Final Fantasy game I've played that I really and truly suck at. There's <laughs> no map exploration. It is all battle tactics. And by battle tactics, I don't mean, okay, this character uses this command with, you know, monsters on the left and your party on the right or something like that. No, you fight in 3D maps. And if you've got an area of effect fire spell, you know, if you're not targeting a single creature but targeting an area... Well, if your characters are within the radius, they're going to get hit by it too. It is very, very detailed and intricate into the battles. I am not that type of strategist. I've leaned a little too heavily on grinding. So in Final Fantasy games, you know, there's some strategies I've learned to employ, but sometimes it's just, oh, I lost this battle. I'll come back in 10 character levels and see what happens next time. Yeah, so this is one where I just really struggle to get through it. And partly because grinding doesn't help because the enemies also scale with you. Yeah. So in many ways you're probably better off trying to do it as a speed run.
1: I got it for PSP, which was the War of the Roses version, which meant that you got a couple of extra characters thrown in for a for good measure. Okay. So I, I think you might Althea have meant War of the Lions. Oh, yeah, sorry. War of the Roses is the, the battle that happened between the kind of two English kind of sides back in the fifteen, sixteen hundreds it's basically the same general idea okay okay but you know
0: or it's a 1980s drama about a messy divorce from people with the last name rose
1: oh no I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it's closer to the first one there was actual war in that yeah yeah you get to run into Balthier and fran from 12 they show up in it and i'm pretty sure you get Clyde and eris showing up in it as well just just because they can okay that, that's what separated it from the original version, at least. That's all I remember.
0: Okay, that's the version that I do have for iOS. It's been available in iOS mm-hmm. since 2011 and Android since 2015. I still suck at it, so I haven't gotten far <laughs> enough to do any of those. Yeah. Again, it's on my PSP. Same rule
1: applies with the other one so far. I got so far in it, and it's disappeared.
0: That was followed by Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, which was a yep. Game Boy Advance upgrade. Mm-hmm. It's not really a sequel. It's more of a a redraft it's it's an
1: alternate reality type thing so these ones if i remember right because i do have both of them because there's a final Mm -hmm. fantasy tactics a2 which is the sequel to this yeah you're basically someone who's reading the story of final fantasy tactics and then you get pulled into that world because of reasons and you have to deal with special rules and judges and all that kind of malarkey and that's you and your friends have to kind of find a way to escape the Final Fantasy world whilst also, you know, not dying.
0: So you can get it for Game Boy Advance. It was released in Japan February 14th, 2003, North America September 8th, and Europe October 24th in a PAL version. It is also available in the Wii U Virtual Console store in all three of those regions. So if you don't have a Game Boy Advance or access to a cartridge, which 14 years later may be hard to find, you can get it that way.
1: I mean, it's in my room somewhere. It might not be that hard to find, but I can't remember
0: exactly where. Yeah. (laughs) The next up is the Final Fantasy Tactics A2 Grimoire of the Rift that you just mentioned. That was a Nintendo DS release from October 25th, 2007 in Japan, June 24th and 27th, 2008 for North American PAL. So again, that three-day delay. So I'm betting it's that Tuesday-Friday thing.
1: Yep. The fun thing about them being on the DS and the Advance is because the way the DS is set up, you can unlock certain things by having the advanced cartridge plugged into the DS whilst playing A2. So it did unlock a couple of special things. Can't remember what they were exactly, but it was a nice little bonus for if you'd played the first one.
0: Nice. And then the Final Tactics style release is Final Fantasy Tactics S, which was released in Japan only May 28th, 2013 for iOS and Android. So it was a Tactics style game with social features and multiplayer battles terminated July 31st 2014 no international release so again haven't played it me neither surprisingly <laughs> next up are the spin-offs so we did mention mm-hmm. that Nintendo have the exclusive consoles so they're in 1990 91 and 93 they released Final Fantasy Legend 1 2 and 3 mm-hmm. for the original you know not quite black and white more like four shades of it's not even really grayscale or green scale, yeah. Yeah. So so four shades of green on the Game Boy. Not
1: to be confused with fifty shades of grey, that's something else entirely.
0: Yeah. So yeah, this is actually tied into the Saga games. So according to Wikipedia, the Saga Game series actually started with the Sega, and when they did the portable version, the the Sega Game Gear wasn't out yet. Game Boy was the only one, Saga was exclusive to Sega. And Final Fantasy was exclusive to Nintendo, so they rebranded them as Final Fantasy games. (laughs) In Japan, they didn't have that, because it was a North American thing. So they've got the Japanese games here, which are clearly Saga 1, 2, and 3.
1: Yeah, I did play those, or at least one or two of them, on Game Boy at some point. But, you know, they didn't seem like Final Fantasy games, and that kind of explains
0: why. Yeah, It, it does say not to be confused with the Final Fantasy Legends mobile games released in Japan... Those, they were only released in that name by Japan, but there's a couple of them that are released in other markets as well, which we will get to, but they've been rebranded. Next up were the Chocobo series, (laughs) none of which I have played. I have played at least one of them, I think. Ranging from 1997 until, well, there's 2012 for the last release and a cancelled 3DS game. We have Chocobo's Mysterious Dungeon, Chocobo's Dungeon 2, Chocobo Racing... A collection of those three, Chocobo on the job, Chocobo Anywhere, Chocobo land a game of dice, <laughs> Chocobo Anywhere 2, Escape Ghost Ship, Chocomate, Chocobo Anywhere 2.5, Infiltrate Ancient Ruins, Chocobo Anywhere 3, Defeat the Great Rainbow Colored Demon, <laughs> Chocobo De Mobile for mobile phones from 2006 before iOS and Android, Final Fantasy Fables, Chocobo Tales for the DS, Final Fantasy Fables, Chocobo's Dungeons for the Wii, although not in the Wii store, I checked yesterday. Ah. Sid and Chocobo's Mysterious Dungeon, The Labyrinth of Forgotten Time, for the DS. Chocobo in the Magic Picture Book, The Witch, The Girl, and The Five Heroes, it's 2008 for the DS. 2010 iPad, Chocobo Panic, to the best of my knowledge, it's not out in North America. Chocobo's Crystal Tower was Mobile Phones and Facebook in 2010. I might need to check Facebook to see if it still exists there. And 2012 there's iOS and Android, Chocobo's Chocoto Farm. And then the Chocobo Racing 3D was the one for 3DS, which was cancelled. So do you recall which of those you played? I think it was Chocobo's Dungeon. What I basically remember
1: is you played as a Chocobo, and Chocobo had a book, and occasionally you get pulled into certain stories or something like that. So I assume it's the Final Fantasy Fables one, but it's been so freaking long since I played it that I don't know. But I do know that someone got me a wee kind of stuffed Chocobo with the book that was from that game, so... I still have it sitting about somewhere. He's oh, okay. currently hiding.
0: Okay. A search for Chocobo in the Canadian iOS app store finds Final Fantasy Record Keeper, Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy IV The After Years, Final Fantasy IV The Complete Pack, so that's four and The After Years, Final Fantasy Dimensions II, which we'll get to, and Fantasy Star II Classic, because Sega's not releasing the hardware consoles like the SNES and NES Classic. Once a month, they're just releasing classic games initially for free, but you could spend, like, a couple of bucks to get rid of the ads that are in them Mm -hmm. so i'm betting that the fantasy star 2 they just somehow put in final fantasy related keywords because there is no other reason for anything other than a final fantasy game to include the word chocobo yep when you're searching for it
1: i have no idea what 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 chocobo chococraft mod mcp is but i assume it has something to do with minecraft for this
0: that would be my my gut instinct Yeah. So the next up is the Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles series. Started for the GameCube in 2003 with Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. (laughs) Then there's Crystal Chronicles Ring of Fates for Nintendo DS in 2007. Crystal Chronicles My Life as a King, 2008 for WiiWare, so that's the downloadable game. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Echoes of Time was out for the Wii and the DS in 2009. Uh, The WiiWare version of My Life as a Dark Lord, which is fun. I picked that one up and the Crystal Bearers was a Wii disc from 2009, which I played for the first time yesterday after recently buying it used. Um, what I know for sure is that I, you know, my Wii is by the treadmill because it was more for a fitness thing for the Wii Fit Plus, and now I just use the treadmill and I've been doing Netflix and such on it. Standing on the treadmill and using the classic controller to play like NES and Super NES games on the Wii works well. Playing a game <laughs> with the Wii mote and the nunchuck while Walking at a 9% incline at 4 miles an hour does not work well for me. Yeah, I I have a habit, you know, when I'm trying to lean so my ship doesn't run into the side of a canyon, I lean too far, step off the treadmill, the the tread part of the treadmill, and onto the side, and then all of a sudden the ground's not moving 4 miles an hour, and yeah. Whoosh. Speaking of which, I really need a treadmill that's in metric.
1: But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, of those, I think I played and have Echoes of Time and the... Just the Crystal Chronicles for GameCube. Okay. Uh, it's kind of fun. It required more people than I had available. Was the problem. So. Okay. I, I, it would have been more fun with actual friends.
0: I, yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's my issue because I've got it for the GameCube, but I I never had a GameCube. But my Wii is GameCube compatible. Yeah. And I tried playing it, and it's not really meant to be a one-player game, which makes it fairly unique in the Final Fantasy games up to 2003. Pretty much. Next up, there's Crystal Defenders. Originally released for old mobile phone operating systems, as Crystal Guardians. In 2008, also in 2008, it came out for iOS, WiiWare, Xbox Live Arcade, and the PlayStation Network. A sequel came out in 2009 for iOS called Crystal Defenders Vanguard Storm. And the first one came out for Android in 2011. It's described as a series of turn-based strategy game concepts from Tactics to Grimoire of the Rift. It's really a tower defense game. There are paths monsters walk through it and you have to unlock different characters that you can do it i had all of these that were available for ios including the ipad versus iphone exclusive versions with the advent of ios 11 i can no longer play them because ios 11 requires that all apps be 64-bit they were programmed 32-bit they are no longer in the app store if i want to finish them because crystal defenders i had almost finished finally if i want to actually finish them i'm going to have to re-buy them. rebuy as we wear through the Wii Store. Which one type of your seems? Yeah, it, so I'd have to rebuild it. And it's um, that, I don't know if people have noticed, the Wii Store for the original Nintendo Wii is coming to an end. The last day to add points is going to be like March 29th, 2008. And the last day to redeem points is going to be January 2019. So I need to, again, figure out how many dollars it takes to create points in the system, which they've got the easy conversion right there go through and add up the points for all the games I want to have and make sure those dollars are in there by the end of March next year. Yeah.
1: And make sure you have a nice, happy, shiny kind of memory card type thing to put them all on.
0: Yeah, I've got most of those downloaded SD cards already, but yeah. Ah, That's good.
1: I don't think I have that many of the WiiWare downloads. I think I am mostly stuck to discs for it, so I'm mostly covered. But, you know, it's it's kind of sad that they're doing that. Kind of hope that they'll at least keep something available.
0: Yeah, there are a number of games we're going to get to that I can't play at the moment, but I can't bring myself to delete them from the phone, because part of me is hoping that they will upgrade it, even though they've lost so much faith in it that it's not in the store anymore. Yeah. So it's unlikely. But Next up is a series I haven't played at all, the Dissidia Final Fantasy series. That started with PlayStation Portable in 2008, had Dissidia 012 Final Fantasy in 2011, an arcade version in 2015 and there's an upcoming playstation 4 version due in 2018 yep i believe january and i think that one is probably going to be a worldwide release this one does appear to be i think this is like a, a tournament fighter it is you can i so
1: see so if you can guess what happened with this one since it was released on psp you might have noticed a pattern i started playing it on psp and now my psp is missing Mm-hmm. so it was kind of fun you can pick a bu- one of the kind of main characters from any of the series, and you fight other characters from the series. I think mostly the it's good versus evil, so you pick to play, say, Cloud, you can end up fighting Kefka or Golbez or whoever, and, you know, uh, it's Order versus Chaos. I can't remember what the name of the actual kind of light side person is, but that's the general gist of it. i got to see the new one being played last week it looks like it might be interesting and i might actually get it but it is just a fighting game enjoyable but if you don't like fighting games there's no point getting it
0: yeah and that that's my hesitation for that and marvel vs. capcom infinite because Mm. i love the properties but i am losing interest in the fighting games i mean the street fighter characters aren't the ones that have me interested in marvel vs. capcom i would love to use mega man to take down some marvel characters (laughs) <laughs> and use the Marvel characters to take down the Street Fighter characters. Mega Man is the yeah. reason I got Street the Puzzle Fighter for iOS when it came out a few weeks ago, and as soon as I unlocked him, I kind of lost interest in playing the rest of the game. I haven't touched it in weeks.
1: That, that kind of makes me want to get back into playing Tatsunoko versus Capcom. It was kind of fun. Uh, it's got a bunch of Japanese characters that you've probably not encountered. You may have. One of which is Yatterman against the Capcom characters. It was released on Wii uh, back in 2010, I think. But sure. kind of fun. Okay. Just if you want to fight against other people other
0: than the Marvel characters. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Next up is Final Fantasy Adventure. So this was another Ooh. Game Boy release from 1991. Why did they release like two Final Fantasy games in two different series? Because, as we said, the first one was never intended to be Final Fantasy. It was a saga game. The Final Fantasy Adventure actually spawned the Mana games. So Sword of Mana, Secret of Mana, Legend of Mana, those all started with Final Fantasy Adventure, which was released in Japan as Seiken Densetsu Final Fantasy Gaiden, or Gaiden. I have never been clear on how to pronounce it. Gaiden seems about right. With a further subtitle, Legend of the Holy Sword Final Fantasy Gaiden in Europe. Oh, and sorry, and in Europe as Mystic Quest. Oh, which has okay. A, there's a completely different Mystic Quest as well. Yeah because I've, I've heard of mystic quest yeah we'll, we'll get to that one in a minute okay but final fantasy adventure was one again that same friend who had the game boy had all the final fantasy games for all the nintendo systems so he had one four and six as two and three as well as all four of the game boy games and they got their playstation because of final fantasy 7 so i've seen it i've had no real personal time playing it how about you nope sorry never had a chance to play that one so now we move on to the red-headed stepchild of the original console series, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, released in Japan on September 10th, 1993, in North America on October 5th, 1992, making this the first, and to my knowledge, only Final Fantasy game that hit North America first, <laughs> and PAL was sometime in 1993 for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. This is one I find a lot of people do not enjoy.
1: I think I probably played this around the same time i played the four five and six because i was obviously interested in the series at this point i went oh there's a mystic quest thing and i was going this isn't like the other ones at all i wanted to play something else
0: yeah this it was released in japan as final fantasy usa mystic quest it was released in europe as mystic quest legend i distinctly remember the ad campaign and comics from that time because all through late 1992 there were comics with the ads, so that the top half of the ad was cover art the bottom half the text would change each time but they all clearly sent a message about this game it said it really in no uncertain terms if you are an experienced role-playing game player you don't want this if you are deciding whether or not you want to try role-playing games this is a starter rpg for you mystic quest is i mean I, i said my record for playing the first final fantasy was six hours Mystic Quest is the only Final Fantasy I'm aware of that's designed for you to be able to play it start to finish in six hours. You can max out your <laughs> characters, open every treasure chest on the first playthrough, like I did, in five or six hours. That's what it's meant for. You get elements cool. of character building. There's a slightly different interface for the hit points. You can change the status, whether you see like the life bars in most action games or whether you've got this. It was very clear in the marketing what its target audience was. People didn't read the marketing people who loved RPGs saw a new Final Fantasy and bought it and walked yeah. away disappointed people who did not love RPGs saw Final Fantasy those are RPGs and walked away without trying it so it yeah. it really didn't do the job it was trying to do of being the entry final or the entry RPG to bring the action market over to the RPG market yeah that's a shame yeah it's one I played through twice the, the first one I played through it's like i played through it knowing what the ad campaigns were saying. So it's like, yeah, okay, it does that job well. You you can play this in an afternoon like an action game and get a feel for the way RPGs work without the time investment most RPGs have. It's a taster. It is. The second time I played it through, it's because early in the game, you open a treasure chest and there's a really good weapon inside and a thief comes down and grabs it before you <laughs> can take that and says, you want it 10,000 gil. Oh, you don't have that money? Oh, too bad, and leaves. So I played it through a second time saying, well, this treasure chest on the second map What happens if I spend enough time grinding on the first map that I actually have the 10,000 gil when I go and open the chest? What happened? You can actually buy the weapon. He's like, 10,000 gil! Oh, you have it? Okay, sure. And he takes the 10,000 gil and hands you the cat claws, which you can get later on for significantly less than 10,000 gil. It's more like the market value. I was just wondering, like, what happens? But no, if you spend the time grinding, you really can buy that weapon early on. But if you spend that time grinding, your characters are leveled up so high, you don't need that weapon early on.
1: I note that it's a monk weapon. Just. Yep. You know, keeping up the pattern.
0: Yep. <laughs> this is also one. Once in a while, you get the mechanics. So, we talked about how the bosses have elemental weaknesses and the monsters do. Yeah. This is one where the final boss is undead. So, you can cast a life spell and kill the final boss in one hit. <laughs> that is still one of my favorite things to do in any of these games.
1: Because you just go, oh, how am I meant to beat this? I've got fire and. You accidentally cast Cure on the wrong person. You go, wait, that works? I, w- I wonder, he's dead. Cool. Yeah. The first time you do that, it's one of the kind of more fun feelings you can get from any of
0: these. Because you don't think of it right away. Yeah, it's like the Phantom Train in Final Fantasy VI where an undead zombie train chases you. You can kill it in one hit with a phoenix down, and then your monk suplexes the train. Why monks are awesome. Ah, <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, next up, Final Fantasy Unlimited with you, released Japan-only for older mobile phones on August 20th, 2002. It's a mobile phone game set in the Final Fantasy Unlimited universe, which we will talk about. Turn-based yeah. role-playing game. Never had any exposure to it, but now I'm curious. Yeah. There's going to be some way of playing it online. It did come out in Japan on... There was Final Fantasy Unlimited on PC, which is another... It's a card battle game set in that universe. May 16th, 2003. Again, Japan only for Microsoft Windows. Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light is the next one that we actually had the opportunity to play. That's on my Amazon wish list. It has been for about five, six years. Yeah, the PAL release was October 8th, 2010. Again, three days after North America of October 5th. The Japanese release was October 29th, 2009. So, and it's... The Japanese name is Final Fantasy Gaiden, which leads me to believe it's more the... It's his side story to the Final Fantasy series, so I'm thinking it's in the Legend Seiken Detsetsu series, which became Saga.
1: Like I said, it's on my wish list. I wanted it. I don't think I can get it anymore because, you know, it's been five years. It's not freely available. It's probably only available as, you know, secondhand, ridiculously overpriced values.
0: Yeah, that's the tricky part with the DS games. Next up, Final Fantasy Dimensions. It was released for older mobile phones in 2010, iOS and Android in 2012, Japanese release of September 6, 2010. The smartphone version hit North America August 31st, 2012, same day for the European Union. This was another one that was released as episodes, but unlike Mm -hmm. the after years where I paid for it and then found out I had to pay more to keep going, this one is free to download and you play the first chapter free. So it's very clear up front, right? When you read it, the first chapter is free. To finish it, you have to purchase. And I think it was like 20 bucks Canadian, so it would translate about 15 bucks US to get the complete package with all the chapters, or you could buy them one chapter at a time. That's not as bad. No, and I, I like the fact that it's a free download and they're telling you up front, so it doesn't feel like I already bought the game, why am I buying the rest of the game? And it lets you try it out. Yeah, and it, it is, does have an interesting system with job points. Your first playthrough, you will not be able to master every job. Because, unlike other games with a job system like 5, where there's ability points that lead into it, or the ability points in 9, where they're associated, you know, the abilities are associated with equipment, and you can earn ability points until it's permanent, and then you've got crystals to equip only some of the abilities at a time. This one does have job points, and that's what you spend to earn the abilities from the jobs. But mathematically speaking, when you play through it the first time, there are not enough job points available to master every ability with every character. So you can have mm. at least one character with every ability, but you can't. If you every time you duplicate, you're running into the risk of not being able to achieve another skill. But then when you play through it the second time, and you keep, every time you finish it, you could you know play a new game with that old save game. You can eventually unlock every skill. It just takes multiple plays. Cool. It is a mobile game, but it it feels like a translation of consoles to mobile. So it it, it feels like uh, Final Fantasy four or five style that, that top down console game when you're playing. It. Cool. Our favorite characters in it? I, I'm i only on Chapter 2, and I haven't played it much since 2012. <laughs> so, I, I Not haven't... Not so much? Yeah, I haven't... <laughs> none of them really grabbed me just yet. Cool. The next release was iOS and Android in Japan and North America, apparently. I missed it. Final Fantasy Airborne Brigade was an online social game in the Final Fantasy series. It came out in Japan January 6, 2012. It came out in North America December 14, 2012. It was not well-received. It was not popular. Apparently, it was buggy. It had issues. It was discontinued within three months of the North American release. So by the time I learned it existed, it didn't exist anymore.
1: Yep. That's how these things seem to go.
0: Yep. Also not available in Europe.
1: That's how these things seem to go.
0: Yeah. Uh, Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy uh, was released for Nintendo 3DS and iOS in 2012. So Japan February 16th, 2012, North America J- July 3rd, 2012, European Union July 6, 2012. It is the only Final Fantasy game on the Nintendo 3DS not available in the Nintendo eShop. This is a Final Fantasy rhythm game. It's awesome. I love this game. I only have the iOS version. I had the sequel for DS, but that went with the rest with the 3DS as we already mentioned. Oh. I really enjoyed what I saw. What I didn't like is that, yeah, it is it was free to download for iOS, but it would have cost, I think, adding up everything in the store if you buy the bundles for discounts for all the songs and all the characters to keep playing the game, beyond the three songs it comes with, the one of each type, it would have cost me about 180 bucks. Whoa. Because you get all of them built in, basically, with the DS one. Yeah, it was literally at the point where, continuing it on iOS, it was cheaper to buy the the 3ds cartridge and the 3ds to play it on wow than it was to unlock everything in ios and that's a new 3ds not pre-owned new yep let's yeah yeah so i never really got into it i've tried going back to it but like crystal defenders it's no longer in the app store it was only 32 bit it, it will not open that sucks but yeah i'm i wish i had played it more on the 3ds because that does strike me as a game i would probably my favorite rhythm game because yeah if you can get a hold of it get it because it's still fun yeah and the music in Final Fantasy is awesome as we've mentioned several times yes Curtain Call I would get
1: over the first one because you've got a wider selection of songs I think some of the songs are kind of duplicated okay. but you know if that's if you're trying to save money if you're going for completionist get
0: both because
1: hey then you have both
0: yeah Curtain Call was the one I
1: had I just meant in general for people listening
0: but again Battle on the Big Bridge is really fun to play. Yes. But yeah, this is one where it is kind of Final Fantasy. You have the characters, you increase their levels, you gain experience by successfully playing the rhythm songs. Every time you hit a note, you attack. When you mm-hmm. miss a note, you get attacked on top of the just the time-delayed attacks. So the better you play the rhythm, the more easily you defeat the bosses. Pretty is, much. I found it just a heck of a lot of fun to beat the crap out of a Tomberry in rhythm to <laughs> Sephiroth. do 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 do, do yeah. Sephiroth. Ah. Uh,
1: my DS is currently charging so I can play that again. Just in case you're wondering. <laughs> okay. I went to London last week. I hmm. took three games with me. One was Final Fantasy III, because I still haven't finished it. And the other two were the Theat Rhythm games. Because I was going to a Final Fantasy concert. It seemed appropriate. They have a wide selection in that. They even have Final Fantasy Mystic Quests and uh, songs on... The curtain call one there are some dlc ones which i haven't purchased because they're dlc ones that i have to purchase and i'm kind of against dlc in general where i have to pay for it it just annoys me in certain cases but if i like the song enough i would
0: consider getting it okay i just can't remember which ones it is all right next up actually the next two games seem to be related they are hmm. final fantasy art and final fantasy art nix dive Released November 30th, 2012 and November 10th, 2014 for iOS and Android in Japan only. The descriptions for both are free-to-play, social, multimedia, role-playing game, and Terminated. Huh. So. Card game, apparently. Yeah. Never had the chance to play either of those. I do still have and can still play Final Fantasy All the Bravest, released in Japan, North America, and the European Union on January 17th, 2013. This was the first Final Fantasy game available for mobile. I was there on day one. This is what you get when you take a Final Fantasy game, but take away the intricate plots, compelling character arcs, innovative gameplay mechanics, and the need for strategy. They have the sprites from games that we see, some of the characters from games, but there's really no story. There's one text screen, much like the introduction to the first Final Fantasy. When you finish it, there's another text screen at the end. All your characters have one hit point each, You swipe your finger over them, and they attack with the only attack they have available, except for Aerith, who brings a dead character back to life and does not attack ever. (laughs) And when they get hit, they die. Again, one hit point. But if your team gets wiped out, you can wait. Because every three minutes, one of them comes back to life. And then you can go back and replay and pick up whatever battle you were in where you left off, so you never, ever have to lose.
1: Yeah. I think I played this and completed it without paying any money
0: because I didn't want to pay any money for it, and I deleted it off. That's a good plan. See, yeah. I've got... There's premium and non-premium content, but me, I'm a sucker for checklists, and they use mm. the Game Center for iOS. So it tells you what percentage of the premium enemies have you faced, what percentage of the premium dungeons have you completed? Have you unlocked all 40 characters? And when I say 40 characters, It really feels like people who enjoy the Final Fantasy games, but don't like strategy. And they prefer strategy would be to just bring another character to the fight. So you can eventually have up to 40 party members which are chosen at random. If you just do the free version, you get standard character classes like Warrior, Summoner, and so forth. To get any character that you recognize as having an individual name, you have to pay for them. And you actually pay for a random character. So to unlock all the premium characters, you have to pay for all of them one at a time. If you want to just buy Cloud, you've got to keep buying premium characters until Cloud is your random selection.
1: On the plus side, every time you buy one, you're that much closer to getting Cloud, because, you know, there's less of them. Yes, when, you know... Once you get Van, obviously you'll get Van first, because, you know, he's not brilliant. He's just there.
0: Yeah, so there are... there's 25 core characters that you can get, and there is a chance to get... all 40 characters the same when you're playing, which is awesome when you get 40 Onion Knights, not so awesome when you get 40 Dancers or Piglets. <clears throat> now, for the premium characters, there are 35 of them. So, yeah, you do have to pay for them. We've got Therion from Final Fantasy II, Dark Knight, Cecil, Kane, Radia, Barts, Creel, Terra, Locke, Selease, Setzer, Cloud, Tifa, Aerith, Red 13, Squall, Renoa, Seifer, Zidane, Steiner, Ico, Tetis, Yuna. Orin, Shantoro, Van, Ash, Baltier, Lightning, Snow, Saz, a Chocobo, a Moogle, a Pig, an Imp, and uh, a random character in Magitech armor. So yeah, the, when you're first buying a premium character, you've got that 1 in 35 chance of it being Cloud. But if you've already bought 34, well now you have 100% chance of getting Cloud. Woo! As you defeat monsters, they will randomly drop gear if it's a sword, well, then every character who can equip swords gets an attack power boost. There are 93 free pieces of gear for the non premium characters. I currently have 100% of the pre- free characters, 100% of the premium characters, 100%, so 93 out of 93 of the premium gear. I need. I'm at 80%. Or so that's the non premium gear. I'm at 100%. I'm at 80 for the premium. I've got 24 out of 30. For the non premium enemies. I am at 100%, found and defeated 91 out of 91. For the premium enemies, 97%, 29 out of 30. And I make myself play it at least once a day, hoping to get one of those to drop so I could finally walk away and never play this again. (laughs) Wow. I'm just addicted because, you know, checklists. The next mobile game on the list is actually much more fun. Picked Logic of Final Fantasy, officially released exclusively for Android and iOS in Japan on October 28th, 2013. For reasons I don't quite understand, it's also available in the iOS app stores in France and Canada. Now, it's not translated, which is the challenge. You may have seen the picture logic puzzles, right, where they'll tell you, hmm. you know, there's five across, and they have a two and a two next to it, so you have to fill in two pixels, leave a space, or at least one space, and then two more pixels, and try and make pictures. I don't know if you've seen those yeah, logic puzzles. I think so. Uh, sometimes they're called P-cross, because it's like a picture crossword. Yeah. Yeah. I know this. That is the mechanism for Pick Logic of Final Fantasy. Each of the five characters in your party is one row of this 5x5 five five P-cross puzzle, and for each row you correctly solve, that character attacks. Your characters get to attack before the bosses get their turn. If you mess up on a row, that character loses their chance to attack, and each time you unlock a new character, you can get daily login bonuses by collecting the all the even numbers. I forget which is even, and which is odd. But one is all male characters, one is all female characters. Uh, the male always give you gil, the females always give you orbs. You need to upgrade abilities and spells and whatnot. There's different missions for each one, so just you know, every different dungeon which you fight in phases will have three missions. One of them is always just complete it, and the other two can be special conditions like do it with a leather glove equipped, or you know, do it with a party of three characters or, or fewer. It is enjoyable, especially if you like the picture crossword puzzles. It's a nice blend of that. When you unlock the characters, you get a headshot of them that you can solve as the picture puzzle to get those daily login bonuses. The downside is that it's really hard to play if you can't read Japanese because the game is (coughs) in Japanese. I have sent many screen captures through Google Translate to try and get through this game. But it it is enjoyable. I just wish there was an English version. It does look like it's fun. It, It is, yeah. Next up is Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy Curtain Call, released for the Nintendo 3DS, April 24th, 2014 in Japan, September 16th, 2014, North America, and September 19th, 2014, European Union. Again, seems to be that Tuesday-Friday thing. Yep. Lots of fun. Get this
1: one if you don't have the first one, but then maybe also get the first one.
0: I'm almost tempted to buy another 3DS just to, to pick that one up again, as well as Final Fantasy Explorers, which came out in Japan, December 18th, 2014, North America, January 26th, 2016, and the European Union, January 29th, 2016. I bought that the day it came out and cannot play it because that went with the system.
1: If you are getting a new one, remember to get a newer 3DS that will allow you to play the Super Nintendo games on your DS because the older 3DS doesn't allow you to do that. Okay. Just in case you were considering any kind of nice Super Nintendo games like Super Mario World that you kind of felt like playing and thought, oh, I'll download that. Oh, wait, I can't. Okay. Thanks. I will keep that in mind.
0: But the next one, this is the mobile game that I think we have probably both devoted the most time to, Final Ah. Fantasy Record Keeper. The Japanese release is September 24th, 2014. The official North American release is March 26th, 2015. There was a soft launch in Canada about a week and a half prior to that to make sure that the servers could handle the load. So I haven't missed a day since March 17th, 2015, which is the first date it was available. The European Union release was also March 26th, 2015.
1: I started playing this.
0: I'm still playing this.
1: You have yeah. to unlock everything, work through it gradually, and get distracted because they do the weekly things. And you have to go finish off the weekly things, and it distracts me from the other things. And, and I'm not allowed to play it in work because I'm meant to be working.
0: Yeah. I I also don't play at work. I am happy that I've built up to 100 and I think 97 or 198 stamina now. I've Ooh. got every norm stamina shard that drops because I finished every classic and elite dungeon. Yeah. We should probably describe it for people who haven't played it before. This is officially set in a new world where everything that happened in the other Final Fantasy games are represented by paintings for their legends, and some evil force has made the paintings turn black. You must enter the paintings to clear that out. In the process, you can recruit characters from core classes and from the regular Final Fantasy games Mm -hmm. and bring them out with you. So you can play mix and match. You can have, you know, a team with Cloud and Squall side by side fighting the Cloud of Darkness from Final Fantasy III. They've got Tactics. They've got Type 0. They've got Worlds of Final Fantasy. They've got all the numbered Mm -hmm. Final Fantasies 1 through 15, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, they just recently introduced 14. You have Limit Breaks, or Soul Breaks as they're called, but you, aside from the defaults, which, there was a time when every time we unlocked a new character, it'd be, ooh, I want to check out their Soul Break. Now it's like, <laughs> you, you can pull and get the chance to get items with better Soul Breaks. I've got about 320 wow. of them. I didn't remember the last time I tried the default. There's characters, if I don't get their Soul Break gear, again, I have to check every box. I'm a grinder. I've only got five characters below their current level caps right now, all yeah. of which were either introduced in the past week, or I gave them the ability to go from level eighty to level ninety nine in the past week because you do it with unlockable crystals. Yep. So they're yeah they're they're all fairly recent, but yeah it, there's some characters where I've gotten them to level ninety nine just because they need to be at level ninety nine or cat them at level eighty because I don't have the gear for them. Mm-hmm. But they've done a lot to develop the game mechanics in this game.
1: Yeah, they've kept it from being just you know still they increase the difficulty fairly regularly. So you're not kind of, you know, just stuck in a rut, I guess. Getting you challenged with it. But it's the Ultra Soul Bricks. Some of them are interesting. I like the Overstrike ones because you get over up to 999,000 or whatever. And I'll go, I love that
0: hit. Yeah, you can go 99,999. Yeah. I always love doing that.
1: But you can get over that with the Ultra ones if you get this. From what I understand, the Sephiroth one, which you told me about. I didn't know he did 15. Yeah. You need to keep an eye out for it. I don't use my materia that much for getting it. It is materia, right? No.
0: There are record materia and legend materia. Yes. Uh, I think you're thinking mithril, though. Yes, to actually you. actually get the items. There's mithril and gems because they've got the premium and non-premium currencies. Yes. Which is nice. You don't have to pay anything to play this. No, you, this is a free-to-play game. Hmm. It would be tough to max out every element of the game as the chapters are released if you're not paying yep. for it. But it never feels like things are unattainable in the long term. As someone who's yeah. been playing since day one, if I struggle to beat the weekly dungeons and you know, get the six star fire crystal or something like that, I've I've never felt like it's not because I haven't paid enough. It's because I haven't figured out the right strategy to defeat this boss, or you know, haven't been honing the right abilities. Right? It, it feels like I. It feels to me like you don't have to pay a dime and you can still succeed in this game. Now I have paid. More than a few times, because any free-to-play game that I'm enjoying this much, I like to support so they continue development. Especially since, as Dave said, they're adding new content at least once a week. I mean, it's
1: they're trying to get as many of the characters that you have played as in any way, shape, or form, or even fought in any way, shape, or form, into these games somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not just heroes you can play as. You can play as some of the villains, too.
0: Yeah, I can, right now, if I wanted to, I could go in and build a team that was Exdeath, Sephiroth, Cloud of Darkness, Garland, Kefka. <laughs> um, and that's Final Fantasy 1 Garland, not Final Fantasy 9 Garland, sadly. I would love to have that Garland in the game. See, but he could come
1: out next week for all we know. So,
0: Yeah. depends what that is. I also find that the programmers are very responsive. There's about a six-month lag between when things come out in Japan. You know, Japan will get things about six months yeah. before the global game does. A while ago, I actually emailed tech support with a suggestion saying, you know, I would like to see a long-range Materia, inspired by the long-range Materia from Final Fantasy VII, we talked about earlier in this podcast, that basically turns it into a long-range weapon, so you can have your heady hivers, but keep them in the back row to reduce the damage they take when you're fighting physical enemies. The response I got was, we'll take that under advisement, and then a month later, that um, a long-range Materia showed up in Japan. <laughs> which we now have here. That may be coincidence. I may be giving them a, a little too much credit in that, but I, I've spoken to others who've pointed out, you know, there's, you know, we'd like a material that does this based on that in the in the game. And any suggestions that don't break the business model seem to have been seriously considered. Huh. You know, there are people who say, how about a free gem giveaway or a mithril giveaway, or and it's like oh. uh, that. You know, obtaining these soul break relics is how that you know, they're enticing people to actually pay to support the game.
2: Yeah.
1: I have not paid yet. I don't play it enough to consider paying, but I get enjoyment out of going through it every day and seeing what they've got going on. I mean the events are also kinda of fun. They have a fat chocobo thing that's mm-hmm. there every week. You can give him food and he gives you stuff. Yeah. Depending on what you've you've managed to achieve this week.
0: Yeah, you could do that to increase your stamina, to get record modes that you can use to increase character stats. Various things to get you. What do you call it? Your attacks. Yeah, your your soul breaks and yeah, and your abilities. I am actually really happy with the the recent Ultra Soul Break I picked up for Minwoo, the, <laughs> the Final Fantasy II Mage, the first one to join your party in FF 2 um, Have you seen Minwu's Ultra Soul Break? Not yet. I managed to pull his Ultra and his legendary materia. Ooh. His Ultra. There are a few things you look for in the special abilities for the healers. One of them is instant heal a large amount, which he's got. Another one is re-raise, so if you die, it just restores you with moderate hit points. It doesn't have that. Last Stand is instead of dying, you just get reduced to a low number of hit points. It doesn't have that. There's Barrier. So Minwoo's Ultra Soul Break will heal your, instantly heal your entire party of actually a large amount, not even a moderate amount. It'll throw up a barrier that will protect you from damage adding up to 30% of your maximum hit points, and it'll auto-heal. So once that barrier is done, Ooh. the next 2,000 point, hit points of damage get healed automatically anyway. Nice. So I tend to throw that barrier up, and then by the time all the barriers and the auto-heals are used up, I'll give him the, the Knight's Charge material that lets him you know, build his Soul Break faster when he attacks, uses abilities, or gets hit. And by the time it drops, I'm ready to replenish it. He he has become my star healer by miles. Cool. And the Legend material I have, when he's doing a single character heal which is what he does in between using the ultra soul break there is what they describe as a small chance i'm finding it's about a seven or eight percent chance to put blink on the character so that the next physical attack that goes after them will miss (laughs) so he's a bit of a beast especially with holy because his mind status through the roof so Mm. yeah he is my current roaming warrior so people who have friended me and, and followed me have the ability to access minwoo
1: i believe that's the only place i've spotted him so far I haven't had a chance to use them yet, because I was trying to do other things mm-hmm. that were a bit more... Basically, I had to tag things with Thunder, and I couldn't be bothered changing my my current thing to have someone with a Thunder thing. So I just used the yeah nice, helpful person. Okay.
0: But yeah, that wow. one I find is a lot of fun. And that, so far, is my favorite of the mobile Final Fantasies. More of which we have to discuss. Yep. Final Fantasy Worldwide Words was released in Japan September 16th, 2014 for iOS and Android. It blows my mind that it's a typing game and it was only iOS and Android and not PC. Yeah. But this was a typing game. Every keystroke you successfully typed meant you attacked the boss, and every miss meant the boss attacked you. Unfortunately, it's been terminated. This is a game I actually would have liked to have. This would have struck me as a more fun typing tutor than any other typing tutor out there
1: yeah i have played one not a final fantasy one that was rather fun and they did it with another game the typing of the dead do you ever play any of those no okay so house of the dead 2 they released as typing of the dead where to fire shots you type the words and when you got to bosses sometimes you had to type the answers to questions they did it again for um house of the dead overkill where it became Typing of the dead, overkill, and same general idea. You type in the words, the letters, whatever comes up to fight the monsters. Otherwise, you get hit, just like any other shooting game. So it's kind of fun in that respect. But that's the only one I've seen that was like that. Did not know there's a Final Fantasy version, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, Disappointed, Molly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a Final Fantasy portal app it's not a game in itself it was released in japan february 4th 2015 it was released worldwide august 19th 2015 for ios and android i installed it on day one it's mostly final fantasy news uh, but it does contain the triple triad card game from final fantasy 8 that i played and was doing quite well on except you must log in with a square enix account and that login expires after 30 days and uh, my second or third month playing i forgot what my username and or I forgot my password and just haven't ...wanted it badly enough to go back to it. Yeah. Kind of the same here. Yeah, I, I still check in once in a while... ...just to, to check out the Final Fantasy news... ...but I lost interest in Triple Triad a while ago. Yeah. I was just mostly doing it because one of the Game Center achievements... ...is win 100 consecutive matches... It went ...in the player Ooh. versus player stuff. So I had it set up with Bluetooth... ...logged into the app on my phone... ...not logged into the app on my iPad... ...and I would you know delete and reinstall it from the iPad... ...periodically... And fight over Bluetooth, so I would always fight myself and lose to try and hit that 100 <laughs> consecutive battles to unlock that really powerful Sephiroth card. And then I was gonna play against actual people because really, it didn't take long before everyone had so many of the existing cards that we were all pretty evenly balanced, and you weren't—they were also matching you according to how you've been playing before. Yeah. So winning 100 consecutive card games without playing against yourself or someone else who's chosen to lose in some fashion is just not realistic. I don't think. Ah well. Next up, Final Fantasy Legends Toko no Suisho was originally released February 12, 2015, for Android and iOS, which was a free-to-play mobile role-playing game. Literally translates as Crystal of Space-Time. Ooh. On November 1st, they took out the social aspects and made it instead of free-to-play mobile game where you were, you know, paying for upgrades and stuff. They dropped the stamina system they dropped the random daily dungeons and logins they dropped the roaming warriors and they released it It as final fantasy dimensions 2 unrelated to the first Uh final fantasy dimensions so it's somewhat like a console final fantasy game you don't have like free roaming in on the map or in dungeons or things there's destinations you pick you go to when you're in a town there's a list of people in the town you can talk to and you speak to them but now it's 15 us worked out to 2099 canadian i don't know what the european union translation is but it's a console game that eliminates a lot of the control problems you have converting console games to mobile. So, I, like I said, it's been out for about 10 days now. It was released November 1st, 2017. And yeah, I'm I'm quite enjoying it so far. As a grinder, I find I am progressing quickly because it, the balance was still designed for limited stamina where you could play a couple times and then you'd have to give it time for your stamina to restore. Now, if I feel like I could depart myself there and grind for two hours which goes a long way.
1: Yeah. It's, it's 15 pounds in the Play Store over here. Okay. So, not sure how much that works out for anyone who wants to buy in Euros, but that's yeah. the pound rate
0: anyway. Well, so far I do like Morrow as a character. There's Morrow, Amo, and Rieg. Rieg may eventually develop into an an Oron style. There are seven chapters with two or three parts per chapters, according to what I found online. I'm only on chapter 1-3 right now, so we have got a long way to go.
2: <sighs> you will be
0: happy that you can... Summon monsters are basically your limit breaks. Cool. They work like the Soul Gauge does in Final Fantasy Record Keepers. You could charge up to three. Depending on the power of the summon, they take one, two, or three charges each. And as you learn the summon, or as you have them equipped, these signets that represent that summon, when you're playing battles, uh, you gain ability points. When you max out the ability points, you learn an ability, like Fire 1. If you upgrade your summon and evolve it into the next level, from a one-star to a two-star or a three-star that becomes Fire 2 or Fire 3. So there is a nice mechanic in that, and there are loads of these. I mean, your three core characters that I've got so far, I know there's going to be two more main characters introduced you can play with, but these three core characters thus far can equip up to four at a time, and I've got like eight or ten each this early in the game. It, it's cool. a major driving mechanism, because it's the only way to add abilities to your characters. So you're starting off with two or three each. So we've got I've got Chocobo, Ramu, Ifrit, Shiva... I've got Siren. I've got Titan. It, it is well worth checking out. And mm. it is a one-time payment. It's you, you pay that £15 or 15 or $21 or whatever it is in your region, and you've got the entire game from the start.
1: That's not terrible. Mm. And the sprites look kind
0: of cool. They do. And there are callbacks. I've made it to the town of Mysidia, <laughs> which is the mage town. It's got the two towers, like the White Mage Tower and the Black Mage Tower that was seen before. So callbacks to Final Fantasy Four and Five. They had White Mage is Minwoo. They had Black Mage is Vivi. They are not the same Minwoo as Vivi, so it's not that character in the game, but it's more like the Sids, where there's another character with that name. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really liking it so far. Cool. Next up, believe it or not, we're down to our last three games to discuss before we move on to other media. Mobius Final Fantasy. Tried it, didn't really get into it,
1: but, you know, it seemed at least mildly interesting. It's 3D on the mobile
0: platform, Yeah, I'd I'd say that the graphic quality is somewhere between the PlayStation 2 and 3 generations. Yeah. Uh, It it is the most beautiful of the mobile games. Yeah. It came out in Japan June 4th, 2015, worldwide August 3rd, 2016, and for the first, I'd say, six or seven weeks, I never missed a day and played it very faithfully. I've since then just kind of lost interest. I've checked back like once every three or four months, but
2: yeah.
1: It was using up too much power on my phone for me. (laughs) Uh, because I was playing it whilst walking into work and my phone was getting really quite hot. I figured I should probably leave it for a bit and then just forgot about it and had to uninstall it to install other things because I ran out of space on my phone.
0: Yeah, if you're playing it on... I I would recommend playing a lot of these on Wi-Fi because they they do the cloud saving and syncing quite a bit. Mm. Cloud saving is actually optional for Dimensions 2. It's more like the console port adaptations where you can... You have the save games, but they're on that device unless you deliberately save or load them from the cloud. But yeah, it is. Mobius is the prettiest one. The characters have shown up in Record Keeper, which is nice, because otherwise your Final Fantasy I roster would be like Warrior of the Light, and that's it. Yeah. It, it took a long time before you could have a full party of FF1 characters. <laughs> but yeah, Mobius, it, it, it is the prettiest, but it also feels like it's officially free-to-play, but it feels like one of those free-to-play, pay-to-win kind of games. Yeah. Because there's heavy social aspects, and if you don't have a lot of the high-end jobs, you're not going to succeed or be competitive in those. And the jobs you can get the job cards for free, but not nearly at the same rate. Right. So it's hard to crack in, like, the top 10 or 20% of players without paying money, which is... I mean, that's exactly why I dropped Star Trek timelines. It was free, but they give rewards if you're in the top 10% of the players in their weekly events and i crunched the numbers on that and in order to make that top 10% or top whatever percentage it is but in order to hit those ranks the top 10,000 positions if you are doing like getting the the best possible results from your shuttle missions the math i did says i'd have to be spending about $850 a week just to accelerate the shuttle missions to earn enough points to get into that like if if you have a 100% success rate with the best possible characters you're still spending about $3,000 a month just to accelerate the game to do this.
1: I think you shouldn't just convince like, the entirety of like two or three small countries just to join in? Because, I mean, that, that would work as well, right?
0: Yeah, but in order to do it, it's got to be with your account, and you have a maximum of four shuttles. Hmm. And the points that people have to be in the top 10,000, you must have a certain number of successful shuttle missions according oh. to what the maximum shuttle mission score is. Yeah. So that's that was one of the reasons I lost interest. Plus, I paid for something, didn't receive it, talked to tech support, and hounded tech support. It They laid off a bunch of people, but that wasn't known yet. What I knew is it took three and a half weeks for them to finally respond and fix the issue. Okay. And when they fixed it, I mean, to their credit, I paid for an upgrade to get... There's rarities on the characters. I bought a one-star Spock and paid for an upgrade that would turn him into a two-star Spock and skip him to level 50. It took them several weeks to fix it, but they fixed it by giving me a three-star Spock at level 70. Mm -hmm. So it's... Yeah. You know, they didn't just give me what I paid for, they gave me above and beyond, uh, but it still took three weeks, and I'm... Yeah. And that was three weeks where I was... When I say hounding them, I was following up about once a week going, I haven't heard anything, what's new? And they were asking for, like, screen captures of the purchase. I'm like, I'm not in the habit of doing that. I can send you an iTunes receipt. So, yeah, it was... I just found... In order, and when they started releasing characters, you could get. Ex- like I had, at one point, I had every version of Spock, but in then they released a new version of Spock you could only get by landing in the top 10,000. And yeah, that, that was what turned me off. Although apparently he's now a random drop. It was just a limited exclusivity period. But so I just found I wasn't enjoying it anymore. It just, I, it would just become a, you know, if I want all the Spocks, I would just buy things, and I don't need to just keep buying something. Why spend money on a game I'm not enjoying.
1: Yeah, there's there's no point in doing that. Yeah. It's the same with if you're paying for a game you're not playing, you know? Yeah. So. I,
0: that's exactly why I haven't played fourteen and eleven. I can just yeah. foresee too many months where I pay for a service I wasn't using.
1: Exactly. I'm lucky. I've I, I have a whole bunch of people I play Fourteen with online, so I get yeah. to talk to them and play at the same time, so there's a reason to play. Nice.
0: The next two spin off games are two others that I've been playing semi regularly. Final Fantasy Brave Exvius I've been sort of dropping in and out of. But that is another one. It feel it is free to play and you really can play and succeed for free. You do not have to spend a dime. You you need to to get the high-end characters originally released in Japan October 22nd 2015 for iOS and Android. The rest of the world got it June 29th 2016. So like, you know, about a week before Final Fantasy Mobius. Or Mobius Final Fantasy, sorry. But yeah, I am I've actually enjoyed Brave Exvius. You know, they've got chapters, you can unlock characters, you can upgrade them. It's a hybrid of Final Fantasy games and Brave Frontier. So there's a huge cast of original characters, as well as characters from most Final Fantasy games. They have not yet introduced any characters from 7 or 8 in, <laughs> the, in the worldwide version. We should be due for Cloud and Sephiroth fairly soon. If Just looking at the difference in release dates between Japan and here... Japan got them in February 2017, supported by like a whole series of TV ads and everything said, Cloud is coming to Brave (laughs) Exvius. And that's all they needed to say. Like when they said Cloud is coming to Brave Exvius, apparently the Japanese people watching TV know who both Cloud, they know who Cloud is, and they know what Brave Exvius is. Have you seen any adverts for any
1: other of the games, the mobile ones, in your region?
0: I have, no. But that may not be fair because it's been about six or seven years since i had cable i cut cable to go to netflix and itunes instead so i just generally speaking don't see tv ads at all um i my facebook feed is constantly pointing me to various final fantasy games i see ads (laughs) for dissidia three or four times a day wonder why yeah that's that just tells me that the facebook ad trackers know me really well yeah
1: recently you've been talking about this oh so you're reading my messages are you yeah yeah so have you tried brave exfius at all no not yet Again, I'm, I, I try to limit my mobile gaming because I have a DS. I shouldn't be using my my tablet as much, but you know it's there, mm-hmm. and and yeah, I, I I could get it.
0: Yeah, I guess it is free to download. Like Record Keeper, you're unlocking chapters in a story as you go for free. They're just yeah. you know they're releasing them in chunks, and they've got time limited events. Now, when Record Keeper first started, there were three different types of events. There were collector's events which have now gone away because of the fat chocobo that's there every day. <laughs> but essentially, you know, the first way to unlock Selyse was play this event, earn enough points, and just buy her. They had survival events, which was, you know, there's four rounds of battle at an increasing difficulty, you can leave at any time, but your rewards double every time through. <clears throat> and then they had what they just called the the exploration events where you're doing story chapters. Two of those have gone by the wayside. All you have are those story chapters. You no longer have the survival events. And like I said, the collector's events are now kind of folded into the Fat Chalkable Gissel Exchange, which is part of the Daily Dungeons. Brave Exvius also has weekly events, but there's a huge variety in what those events are. There could be story dungeons. There could be collectors. there, There is a big variety of that. In terms of the Daily Dungeons, Record Keeper will have dedicated days. So Sunday, there's experience points. Monday, you can get Earth and Fire gems to upgrade certain spells and abilities or you know some days there's gill some days there's record or upgrade materia and there's in december right around the 30th anniversary they're going to do a major upgrade to those so now the six star crystals and gems are going to be farmable on the daily dungeons and the experience and weapon and material upgrades are going to be available every day brave Exvius kind of has that there's a gill dungeon there's an experience dungeon and then there's awakening for abilities and characters so you can increase the rarity you can take a three-star character and make them a four-star character Kind of like you can in Record Keeper, but in Record Keeper you increase that by getting two of that item and merging them. Here it's resources to upgrade, and merging two of the same increases their trust. When you get the trust up to 100%, then, you know, when I get my Kefka up to 100% trust level, I'm going to get a ribbon. Which is a really nice accessory in Final Fantasy games. Protects you from all possible debuffs. But this one, you can unlock one dungeon for free at any time for a 24-hour period. So you could say, uh-huh. today I want to work on experience. Today I want to work on gil. You can spend a little bit of the premium currency, which you can get each day, to unlock two at a time. So if you want to unlock experience and gil, or you know gil and awakening so that you can upgrade your characters, you can do that. I think you can even unlock up to four at a time if you just spend enough of the premium currency. But you can choose which daily dungeon you want today. You just have to decide, what am I going to do for the next 24 hours? Cool. And then they'll have other ones to upgrade your summons. Because, yeah, you get a lot of summons early. I'm barely through the first chapter. I'm in, like, the second update because I went away from it for so long. Now I'm back to it. And I've got five summons. So I can go in with a full party and each of them can summon a different creature. Nice. Including Ramu, Shiva, Ifrit, Siren, and Golem. are the ones I have now. And I've also seen Carbuncle and Diablos are right around the corner. My favorite trinity are in there. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so as as far as the... The free-to-play mobile games are concerned. Record Keeper's my favorite, and I would put Brave Exvius as number two. Cool. If new players who are looking and investing in new games, I would recommend looking for the discontinued games before looking for all the bravest. It's just... (laughs) It's just not good. It's Final Fantasy without the things that make Final Fantasy into Final Fantasy. Yeah. Anyway, the last of the spin-off games is World of Final Fantasy, released for the PlayStation Vita and the PlayStation 4 Mm -hmm. in Japan on October 27th. 2016 in north america on october 25th 2016 and the european union on october 28th 2016 so tuesday thursday friday all the same week so pretty close to worldwide i'm pretty sure i bought this when i
1: was doing christmas shopping I was meant to be buying stuff for other people but that was just sitting there all by
0: itself not being bought and i thought i'll buy that Yeah, this was the first Final Fantasy game to be released after that rough patch I went through with that ended relationship last year. So I bought this as a treat for myself. It's more challenging than I anticipated. The art style makes it look like it would be aimed for younger players. Yeah. But the difficulty level is not appropriate for your average like six or seven-year-old.
1: It's more fun than I thought it would
0: be. I'm I'm really enjoying it. I, I really like the mechanic of the fact that as you're going, you can capture and recruit monsters... And then stack them so they can stand on your head, you can stand on their heads, you can have up to three of you in a stack, and it (laughs) changes, whether you're stacked or not, changes the gameplay mechanics. It's it's a really neat concept. Again, Final Fantasies are good at innovating gameplay. It also depends on which size
1: you are as to which ones you can take with you, because you can change the size of your character. You can either be a medium-sized character or a large-sized character. Yep but I find it more fun to be the the medium-sized character because then you can ride in like Magitek armor on top of a
0: giant kind of Mm Deathclaw on a Behemoth, on a Chocobo. So much fun. Yeah. Anyway, that's the last of the core Final Fantasy games. There are also compilations and collections. Final Fantasy characters also show up in the Kingdom Hearts games, which are (laughs) like Final Fantasy and Disney together. So Squall, Cloud, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy can all be fighting side by side.
1: Squall? Really? Are you sure that's his name? They changed him to Leon for some reason. I don't know why. I, I assume it's because his name's Lionheart, and Leonhart was the name of other characters in Final Fantasy. Maybe there was some sort of problem, but they changed his name and it confuses me. Yeah, and
0: he was voiced by David boreanaz of all people.
1: Yep. Uh, um, Mandy Moore I think did
0: Aerith. Yeah. They've got a great voice cast. Lance Bass? Lance Bass is Sephiroth? Yeah. There's some are questionable uh the disney characters (laughs) they've got the current disney voice actors so like they're disney is good at having oh mickey there is one voice of mickey and it's this guy there is one voice of donald and it's this guy winnie the pooh yeah goofy was pinto colvig even after pinto colvig left disney and went to the fleischer studios during that period they started the how-to cartoons for goofy because the contract, they were paid by recording sessions, not by cartoons. So they had the narrator providing the new content, and they were just reusing Pinto Colvig's existing recordings for the new cartoons. That explains why his yeah hoo, 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 gets used a lot. Yeah, the yeah, ho, 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 as well as anytime he's sitting down to relax, he sings, Old world owes me a livin' dee la la." And then, oh, if, yep. if he's actually working, it's the like, la di di da da item. But anyway, bit of a goof wow. fan here. Um, <laughs> I, I'm Donald. It's a, see, the Kingdom Hearts games were made for us. Yes. <laughs> uh, so those are, they're actually a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Kingdom Hearts 3 next year. Kingdom Hearts 3 was announced, um, let's see, 2004? Is yeah. that about right? Yeah, one of the things I, I will give Square Soft a lot of kudos for is when they release a game, they're trying very hard to get it right and they're not going to rush out a buggy or an game. They would rather, you know, change the console four times and release it ten years later than release a <laughs> substandard game. Uh, note that the mobile games like All the Bravest are done in partnership with others, and I haven't seen any that are exclusively Squaresoft. I, I still don't know why they licensed All the Bravest, but anyway. Well, seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, it was also early enough that they didn't quite know how to translate console games to mobile, and it was like the mobile tapper games that were popular solely. Yeah. I can see what they thought, well, maybe with a check that big it's worth trying. Anyway, so then Final Fantasy has branched out into other things. Yes, it has. There are three movies. The first was Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, and the only one to get a major theatrical release.
1: Yeah, which is probably the worst way to do it, because I'm pretty sure the other two are much, much better. That The Spirits Within, there was no Bahamut, as far as I remember. There was no Ifrit. There was no real thing that tied it to any of the other games, or any of the games, sorry. Yeah. You know.
0: Final Fantasy The Spirits Within came out around the same time that Final Fantasy VIII was coming out, and it was similar where they were pretty much heavily into the sci-fi. Yeah. Not much into the fantasy. The animation on a technical level is very impressive yes it's photo realistic but not video realistic if you give me still images from that movie you know it's not immediately obvious that it's all cgi and not humans in a cgi background right the way the hair moves the like the eyes it was great and squaresoft had huge plans they wanted to take the dr aki ross model and they had it set up so that they could age and dh her because Mm -hmm. they wanted to farm it out as you know having an actor that could appear in other cgi movies so you'd have like a digital character that people could follow like they follow human actors. I was really looking forward to The Spirits Within because the previous movies based on video games had been based on video games that had like one or two sentences worth of story that you can't yeah. make a movie out of. And Final Fantasy was the first time I was like, okay, you would have to strip down your average Final Fantasy story to make it fit into a movie. Unfortunately, I think they stripped too much. There wasn't mm-hmm. enough there. A lot of the common elements weren't there. I mean... The Chocobos in in Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, one of the bad guys has an attache case or a briefcase, and when he opens it, there's a little outline of a Chocobo imprinted in leather of his attache case. And that's the Chocobo reference. Great voice cast. I did find, like I said, it was photorealistic, but when they started speaking, there was actually a really difficult problem, which even shows up with Grand Moff Tarkin in Star Wars Rogue One that was getting all that. Great press last year for basically bringing, bringing him back from the dead. You know, Peter Cushing, the one from the crappy Doctor Who movies from the 1960s, was Grand Moff Tarkin. Mm. Uh, th- I, I have issues with those because I'm a huge fan of Ian Chesterton, and he really gets the shaft in those.
1: Yeah, comic relief.
0: Yeah. I mean, good as an introduction to Daleks, that's about it. Yeah, but the problem I have with them is that when real people speak, the corners of their mouths pucker. Because you still have this much flesh and it has to move out of the way when your mouth opens wider. Final Fantasy, Spirits Within, and a lot of the photorealistic CGI since then, the corners of their mouths don't pucker. The size of the hole for their mouth changes shape, and that's what throws me out. It's not a convincing release. You have to wonder if maybe it's purposeful, so they don't have that complete uncanny valley thing going on, but... Yeah, actually, what they were talking about, they actually specifically said that, yeah, the, the mouth movement isn't quite right, but... It was a matter of the computer power available and the budget. Ah. So that's where they chose not to do it. But that's something that... It seems almost like people have accepted that and they don't notice it as much because it's still happening today. And to me, that's the piece that throws me out because there's somewhere I can't tell if they're CGI or human or not until they speak. And that, for me, is the dead giveaway. Have you seen The Mummy Returns? Not the Brendan Fraser Mummy Returns.
1: Ah. In that they have a CG scorpion king because he's the character in it he's the one played by the rock yes this is about 10 years maybe five to 10 years after spirits within spirits within is so much better graphic wise i mean it barely looks like it's a ps1 model yeah it's just that that yeah I, i i hit that for that reason it was
0: it was annoying enough that they had to introduce a child into that film Ah, yeah see i just wasn't a fan of the first brendan fraser mummy movie for me the boris Karloff is The Mummy, and they... I went into The Mummy going, this is a reboot of a horror franchise, and they gave me an action movie and not a horror movie. So now that Ah. I understand that, I might enjoy it more revisiting it, but I'm not a huge Brendan Fraser fan, and it was so far off the mark from what I expected, or what I felt they were promising by saying we're rebooting The Mummy, that it didn't fit. But yeah, it's sometimes genre-hopping works, there it didn't. Yeah, I didn't have the Boris Karloff one in mind
1: when I saw it. I don't think I've seen that one, as far as I remember. So I didn't have any expectations when I went to see it. So I enjoyed it and still do. Um, I'm not going to see the Tom Cruise one unless I can see
0: it for free. Okay. but Based on what I've heard of the reviews, that's a good plan. Yeah. I haven't seen it myself yet. Anyway, so the, the next movie... Actually, the next two movies are both direct-to-video. They're also both uh, tied into actual games as well. Yes. Final Fantasy VII Advent Children is a sequel to Final Fantasy VII, in which eight of your nine playable characters return... Because, like we said, spoiler, one of them doesn't make it through seven.
1: Yeah. Part, part of which is annoying, because one of them, or sorry, like six of them, you know, don't bother showing up till like five minutes before the end, basically.
0: Yeah, they they felt kind of grafted on. That was my biggest complaint. It was, going yeah. back to other video game movies, I think one of the failings of the Street Fighter movie is that they tried so hard to find ways to get all 16 of the playable characters in there, mm. whereas Mortal Kombat, I believe, was more successful because they looked at this huge cast of characters and said, first of all, we're not going to pretend this is anything more than a fighting tournament. Yeah. They increased the stakes, so it's not just bragging rights, but actually defending the realm. And then they chose a small cast of core characters to focus on as they go through this tournament.
1: Mortal Kombat is one of the best video
0: game movies. Sequels, not so much, but that one, it's pretty good. Yeah, the first Mortal Kombat succeeds largely because they said, this is starting with a simple story, it's about beating people up so let's focus on a few characters, give them character arcs, and it was just a simple story that focused on beating yeah. people up. Plus, Goro was <laughs> he was one of the last ones in the animatronics generation before they went yeah. CGI for those characters. But what a lot of people don't realize, he was the first animatronic bipedal character that could walk. Ooh. Like, if you're looking at the Alien Queen and stuff like that, the reason the Alien Queen's head doesn't bob up and down when she's chasing Ripley at the end of Aliens is because she's on a wheeled cart because the animatronics couldn't walk. Like, they were impressed that her fingers could grip the grating. That was a huge step forward. The um, How Did This Get Made podcast, when they covered Mortal Kombat, they're talking about how obviously it was a guy in a suit in this point and stuff like that. Gora was never a guy in a suit. He was fully remote-controlled animatronics. When they said walk wow. forward, he walked forward. And the balance was good enough that he could pick actors up and walk forward. Oof. Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis Jr., developed goro and he he is the pinnacle of animatronic visual effects but sadly that was you know just a about a year and a half or two years after jurassic park so yeah. cgi was starting to grossly overshadow everything but even in jurassic park the animatronic dinosaurs couldn't walk if the dinosaurs are walking those are the cgi versions not the animatronic versions
1: they did so well in merging those two
0: though yeah i just kind of keeping it consistent it's the fact that the cgi couldn't cover all of it and so they did mm. some animatronics and some G- CGI. That was a big part of what went forward, is they said, okay, these things where the animatronics can do and need them to do, you need your CGI to look exactly like the animatronic versions. Yeah. And then from there on, where they weren't basing on this physical prop right here, they got overly shiny and glossy. Like, Mortal Kombat has some good CGI, but when you're looking at it, there is absolutely no question in the viewer's mind where the physical prop ends and where the CGI begins. Yeah. But Anyway... The back to the Final Fantasy ones. Advent Children. Advent Children is it is worth seeing, but do not see it until you have played Final Fantasy VII through in its entirety. Yeah, or you will spoil a very good game. I mean, it's like, like we said, it is it,
1: focusing on the main character from the game. He, he is the main character. It's his story essentially, and it just concentrates on the aftermath of what they did in the first game.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> I mean, the Final Fantasy VII, the ending of that... It's almost like the ending of the first Star Wars movie from 1977, where you've won the day against a major threat, but the world as a whole is not fixed yet. Yeah. The
1: ending for the game, it does actually start off with that, mm-hmm. if I remember right. It's been a while since I watched it, but it does show you the ending, and then cuts to a little bit before the
0: ending, because of how that game ends.
2: Yeah,
1: I think that's as much as I can say without spoiling anything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then from there... The next one is uh, King's Glave, which is tied directly to Final Fantasy XV, yep. which I haven't watched yet. I picked it up the day of release, but until I was clear about whether it was a prequel or sequel, I didn't want to touch it until I'd finished the game. It's a prequel. Okay. So it can be watched at any time. Pretty much.
1: It's set before XV, and it deals with... It kind of focuses more on Lady the Freya. Um, I only watched it once. Uh, it's on Netflix currently, at least the last time I looked, it was on Netflix currently. And it wasn't terrible. I enjoyed it.
0: Spoilers, uh, Sean Bean shows up in it somewhere. Okay. So let's say for the movies, Final Fantasy has also spawned two TV series, both anime. Now, at the time I bought one, I thought I was actually buying the other. <laughs> the first Whoops. was Final Fantasy Legend of the Crystals, which Ooh. is actually an anime sequel to Final Fantasy 5. Oh. Which is my favorite of the 16 bits. I... Regret not buying it the first time I saw it at a local London Drugs of all places. In its only North American release, because uh, and that one is very well regarded. But I I haven't seen it myself, and based on your your sounds here, I don't think you have either. No,
1: I I didn't know. Uh, I knew of one of them. I'd seen like one episode of it, and there was a it I was going, oh, that's kind of cool. But I never got around to watching the rest of it. Did not know there was a sequel to
0: Five anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so that I do want to track that down someday. The anime I did buy was Final Fantasy Unlimited, which I'm wondering if that was the like a, a deluxe edition of the other one. No, it, it's unrelated to five. It's an original story in an original universe with chocobos and other things. I've got the complete 25 episodes set on DVD. I barely got through episode three. It starts yeah. out painfully slowly. The reviews I've read online say it takes about halfway through before it picks up and hits a reasonable pace. And it sounds like they went into it with a 75-episode plan, and then it was not well-received. So they were told, you know, they were planning to do as three seasons of 25 episodes each, and they were told, like, five or ten episodes in, it's not doing well, you're not going to be renewed, we're just going to honor the 25-episode plan. So in the back half of Season 1, after starting in about Episode 13 or so, which is where they were in the production run, they took all the plot points that they had planned for the last 63 episodes... <laughs> And jammed them into 13. So the problems with going at a painfully slow pace went away. (laughs) So apparently if I could fight through the first half of this series, the second half actually gets good. Cool. Because it's, it's going five times faster than they planned, which is exactly what they needed to do in the first place.
1: Nice. Yeah, don't think I've seen it. Like I said, it might have been that one that I
0: saw the episode of, but apart from that, not really gotten through it. Okay. Yeah, so then I guess the only other thing to really talk about now is the music.
1: There is one more series that I don't know that you've seen. Okay, probably not,
0: because I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: I know. There was a live-action Final Fantasy-related series that was released on Netflix earlier this year. Um, I think it's technically part of the anniversary. Called Dad of Light. I take it you're not aware of it at all? No. Okay, basic gist of it is... A guy plays Final Fantasy. His dad was always kind of distant from him when he was younger, but his dad found him. Uh, his dad didn't want to get him any kind of games consoles, but eventually gave in and got him a Final Fantasy game and everything. And he ended up playing it himself at one point, and so he was able to connect with his dad on that level, and eventually the dad wasn't able to play anymore for whatever reason, be it work or whatever, and... Later on in life, his dad quits his job suddenly. And in order to find out why, the son buys him Final Fantasy XIV so he can basically catfish him and find make friends with his dad in the game and, you know, work through to try to beat... I believe it's Twintania, which was the highest boss at one point in the game because it's based on a true story, apparently.
0: Okay, yeah, it does. I've just added it to my Netflix list. Right now, Final Fantasy XIV, Dad of Light... A father and son rekindle their bond through the online role-playing game Final Fantasy XIV in this live-action series based on a true story. Yep. It's it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's eight episodes in the 24 to 26 minute per episode range. Huh? And I will
1: not say anything more because it's really fun and silly at points, emotional at points. It's, it's well done. It's not a live-action Final Fantasy in any way. They use clips from the game. So... There's, the characters in the game are sitting, and you hear the voices of them talking, so I think they use, you know, female voices for female characters, but they could be being played by the male characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's nicely done using all of what's available.
0: Okay. Just yeah. check it out. It's cool. It is now on my Netflix list, and since right now I'm mostly watching Netflix on the treadmill each day, and I've only got three episodes left of Star Trek The Next Generation, and like... <laughs> i'm almost done season four of star wars the clone wars and going through like 90 minutes worth of content a day i'll need something to add to my list shortly and at four episodes a day i could do that in a weekend yeah remember subtitles so (laughs) you might have to pay attention at certain points yeah i do have the subtitles on by default on netflix partly because well two reasons actually one it's great for the treadmill because that way you can hear it even when the treadmill gets noisy uh but i started it because i'm actually now involved with someone who's got English as a second language who appreciates having the subtitles for the extra support now and then. That's cool. All right. So then from there, yes, the music, the incredible music. Yeah. said Nobuo Umatsu did the music for the core games, 1 through 10, although in 10, he actually shared duties with Masashi Hamaozo And I forget the name of the third person who contributed, because it was actually Hamaozo that took over the games following that. Uh, It wasn't Omatsu on the Game Boy games or Mystic Quest, like the other side games.
1: I probably have his name in with something I got last week, because I got a composer CD that has a selection of songs from each of the composers for the different games, and I read the little insert, and I've forgotten everything that said not.
0: Sorry? I've got it. Written down because I bought the soundtracks for seven through ten. Eight actually mm. had a North American release, so I bought that one in English. But the rest were the Japanese imports. Yeah. So in an audio medium, I cannot translate it in any way, shape, or form because I have no idea what sounds these kanji symbols make. But pictures are. I amazing. know
1: a lot of them. I can guess some of them. Um, but you know, if it's hiragana, sorted. Kanakana, sorted. kanji mm, good luck.
0: Yeah, my. Uh my Japanese vocabulary is also yoshi, and kyaushao. <laughs> which is the very weird combination if you know what kyaushao kyausha is, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's photon.
1: Hmm. Considering what you do, it's probably useful to
2: know.
0: Yeah, I've got... When I was planning on doing graduate research in physics... They were recommending learning other languages, and research shows that if you learn Esperanto, learning other European languages comes more naturally. So when I was learning Esperanto, I found out that there actually exists an English Esperanto Japanese Dictionary of Physics Terms. So (laughs) I have this. Nice. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so the music is, it is incredible. I think we've both been to distant worlds. I have been lucky
1: enough to hit it twice. I went first time was edinburgh i think about i would assume 2012 because it was before the release of 14 and they did a live version of answers like i said they had the person that sang answers in the game and it was breathtaking and just hearing all of the music live having certain emotions tied to certain characters from final fantasy 7 specifically hearing their themes just kind of brings back everything Mm -hmm. and it Ah, i went again last week both times i've been lucky enough to have Nobu umetsu there but they brought him out at the end for two encores one of which we got to sing along to we only had to sing one word
0: do you know what the word Sip it off. yep yep that was the same one that we had in the encore when they came to edmonton for the first time earlier this year for the 30th anniversary i did not know
1: they were doing two encores but when the first song came up for the encore i was going there's two encores because you cannot go to a Final Fantasy concert without One Winged Angel being played because it's awesome do you have a favorite song from the entire series or or a selection of favorite songs because it gets really hard to narrow it down
2: Uh,
0: if I had to pick just one it would be the arrangement of the crystal theme from the closing credits of Final Fantasy VIII my top five have that one Libri Fatali which is the opening music from Final Fantasy VIII One Winged Angel which mm-hmm. is the one when you're fighting Sephiroth that we mentioned. The Battle on the Big Bridge from Final Fantasy V, which we've already talked about. And I would say probably Oran's theme from Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Sid's theme is also very good. There's a few fun ones from Final Fantasy III. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of hard to narrow it down. There's even some... I mean, Final Fantasy VIII, I think, is the best soundtrack. Maybe I'm a Lion is great. <laughs> Black Mages version? <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I've heard the Black Mages cover. From Final Fantasy IX, also Freya's Theme, Protecting My Devotion. Oh. that That's a good one, that. Do you know that one? Yeah, I know that one. I was trying to figure
1: it out, but yeah, I know that one. That's one of my favorites. I like that. I'm trying to remember, because my problem is, people mention the songs. I go through the songs, I go, yeah, I like this one, I like this one. And then people mention more and more songs. And I go, oh yeah, that one. But... Amongst my favourites, Aerith's theme, mm-hmm. because I like it in all forms, particularly piano version. It's fairly beautiful. To Zanarkind, mm-hmm. or Zanarkind, depending on which version of the translation you're dealing with. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Not alone from Final Fantasy IX. Yes. Yeah. At Cosmo Canyon, which I didn't realise they had done as a live version, and I got to hear it live last week, and it was great. Mm-hmm. And. One-Winged Angel is on my top five as well, because it should always be in there somewhere. Yeah. But it's subject to change, to, because there's so many different kind of songs throughout the entire series that can just fall into whatever mood you're in. Descendant of the Shinobi, Yuffie's theme, mm-hmm. it's always kind of fun. But I've heard versions of the songs that now have lyrics that have been taken and changed and twisted and done so many different ways, it's its just great. Sorry.
0: Yeah. it is. And it's so rich, partly because the the character arcs are so rich. One of the criticisms that's been leveled at the Final Fantasy games is that the gameplay is much more linear than modern players are used to. I appreciate that, because I think the reason they've got it nice tightly linear is because the character arcs are so deep. And if you give people options for where the characters go, it doesn't have the same emotional resonance. The, The more paths you can follow to come up with different outcomes, the less coherent the whole becomes. And these are very coherent, and you will go through the full emotional gamut in pretty much any of these games. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we start losing characters in two, we start losing party members in five, like yeah, permanently. There, you know, we there's some loss in four that's undone. The loss in five is not undone.
1: The loss in seven still
0: hurts. Yeah,
1: I'm just ain't. <laughs> oh. yeah. but all of the all of the memories from all of the games can just be brought immediately back by any of the music
2: mm-hmm.
1: i mean matoya's theme from final fantasy one she's a witch that lives in a cave right Yep. they brought that back for final fantasy 14 where you encounter a witch called matoya in a cave because those themes relate to those characters and that you can you know just pull them back and do different styles and just have everyone remember everything that's correct
0: yeah yeah it, it ties in so well there's like nine had a lot of echoes of other things too. Like, mm. I mean, Garland in Final Fantasy IX is introduced rather abruptly in the story, but I knew who they were about to reveal and got yeah. excited by it. <laughs> about six or seven seconds before they did, because they were playing his theme, I was going, "Wait, what? They're bringing him back!" And then, yeah, yeah they introduce him, and it was just, "Yay!"
1: Yeah, I mean, they do concerts for video games now. And I think it has to be partially inspired by just the quality of music that you get from some of these games, specifically Final Fantasy. Because, again, I went to video games live, One Winged Angel was in there. Mm -hmm. Because you can't really have a video
0: game concert without One Winged Angel. Yeah. I've only been to two video game concerts. One was Distant Worlds, and the other one was Zelda. And the Zelda Symphony. I mean, Zelda, yeah, they represented every game, and... They did it well mm-hmm. enough. I'm not as familiar with Zelda as the rest. That was more the people I was going with were huge Zelda fans. I mean, there, there was a, a seven-year-old, two notes <laughs> in. He knew exactly which song it was, which part of the game it was. It was singing along with the entire concert. Bonus theme? Oh, <laughs> yeah. He, he nailed it. Whereas like Final Fantasy, the Distant Worlds concert we went to was probably about two hours of music in a two-and-a-half-hour time slot when you take out yeah. like, the conversation and the, the pausing. Every single piece they played in those two hours belonged there. And it's probably about a quarter of the list of songs, if not less, yeah. that you could argue were in a concert. It's it's like, you know, I look back at movies like, you know, the Star Wars trilogy, would that be the same without John Williams? Right. Nope. With Superman, I, I, I mean, they were debating between John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith. And hearing what Jerry Goldsmith did with Supergirl, I'm glad that he was unavailable and then he went with the still <laughs> new and unproven John Williams for Superman. Because... Music is one of those things that a lot of players. So, if you talk about video game music, you respect the music from Final Fantasy. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't have the conversation. They just play it and they don't realize how much of their exposure, of their emotional experience, is coming from the music tying in so perfectly to what they're seeing. And I can't think of a game series that has the history like Final Fantasy. I mean, Zelda's had some good themes for parts of their games. Yeah. The first Castlevania, that level one, the they call Vampire Killer, that... Ça- that-, I yeah. know, that I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that one. That one works well. It's one of the gripping ones. But a lot of them, it's like one isolated song in the game is really good. You know, Mega mm-hmm. Man, you might get two or three isolated songs in any given game that are really good, in my opinion, and worth listening to just for themselves. Final Fantasy, I have bought the soundtracks to... Uh, the first fifteen numbered games, so all the cores, and <laughs> you know, uh, now I'm looking at continuing with the distant worlds. The Brave XVS soundtrack is now available on iTunes, which is tempting. Yeah, I, I would say in terms of the quality, overall quality of the music, I can't think of any franchise that's got the track record Final Fantasy does.
1: I mean, the other advantage of the music is doesn't require translation. It's universal across all of them. So no matter where you live, you'll get the same feelings, emotions, just from that one piece that just caught you the right way at the right
0: time. Yeah, and even when they got to the rich sound quality on the PlayStation, and Mabu Matsu could start using lyrics, you know, the only lyrics he used in 7 were Sephiroth, because that was universal. When he got to 8 and said, no, he really wants a choir feel here, but he didn't want to have to try and do lyrics and re-record choirs in countries where he didn't speak the language and couldn't control the quality of the choir. Mm-hmm. So he chose to just do it all in Latin because that puts everyone on a level playing field because it's dead yep. everywhere. And that's why we love it. You know, Except maybe the Vatican.
1: <laughs> do, do you reckon they would actually get a decent kind of audience if they played the Vatican?
0: Given how many people actually live in the Vatican city, I, I don't imagine it's really a target market for anyone.
1: You never know. Maybe he sits and plays... PS4 when he gets home at night? You never know. Probably yeah. not, but you know.
0: Yeah, I'm just not... I can't think of any sort of standard concert venues you'd have there. <laughs> there's
1: bound to be some kind of cathedral where you can get a decent echo. You know, or, not echo, decent
0: acoustics. Yeah, the, the acoustics will be wonderful, but uh, it's probably designed for, like, you know, one massive organ and a choir in terms of the floor plan.
2: Uh,
0: anyway. There's bound to be someone who can arrange it properly. Yeah. <laughs> And this is all pure speculation on my end. I've never been there, never seen it, and don't have the personal interest to do that research myself.
1: Yeah, I've been there just to wander through. I can't remember. I did see the Sistine Chapel. Don't think it would work in there. No. Probably people would get angry at you and shuffle you out.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we want quiet in a lot of these yeah. chapels. So. Quiet contemplation. Good <laughs> yes. thought. Uh, we're over four and a half hours in, so it's probably about time to start wrapping up. Yeah. Overall favorite game? I would say the one I go back to the most is 5.
1: I think for me it has to be 7. It was the one that made me just fall in love with the series completely. And it's the one I keep going back to. I have started playing it like six times. <laughs> I've finished it about three, but I have started it six times. But yeah, the, just that and also the the number of pieces of music that I can just pull out of there that I actually just remember from playing... It's yeah. it's just in,
0: kind of completely ingrained
1: in my head now.
2: Yeah.
0: Bored its way in. It is and it says a lot that the uh the, the C- soundtrack CDs for Final Fantasy seven take more CDs than the game does. Yeah. There's a three disc game and a four disc soundtrack. Yeah. Most of these soundtracks take up four CDs. Your average film, probably
1: about two if you get like full complete score. Yeah. These are much
0: bigger. They are. And that's I mean, a lot of the average films don't even have two hours of music in them. They've got, like, the 74, 75 minutes, and then a lot without music. You know, you yeah. have to go to, like, the Star Wars or the other John Williams movies, where he likes to have music Perfect. through the whole thing to get those two hours in. So I've got the two CD sets for the Star Wars, for the Superman. But even going back to the 8-bit Nintendo generation, when the storage capacity was very limited, mm. the Final Fantasy 3 soundtrack is still two discs. Yeah. They were doing everything they could to fit it all in there. Ah. It is a, a great series... So 5 is my favorite, 7 is your favorite. If someone listening has never played a Final Fantasy game before, then which one would you point them to?
1: I want to point them to 7 because it's my favorite, but I want them to appreciate the older ones, so I'd have to point them to 5. Because it's the one where you get to have a lot more fun switching jobs, trying everything out. You get to test everything with every character. You're not tied into anything, you know, and there's a massive story in there as well.
0: There is, and it, it's got a lot of the themes, it's got the chocobos, yeah. it's got the complete rewrite of the world map at one point, for reasons I'm not going to spoil, mm-hmm. and and what that does for the story is great, plus the, the nature of the villain. Yeah. You know, people ridicule having, like, clouds for the villains in movies. <laughs> well, Final Fantasy made that work in Final Fantasy 3 The final yeah. villain is the cloud of darkness. No, I haven't gotten to that yet, but
1: because of the way Final Fantasy fourteen works... That is in there. You have to go through the Crystal Tar and you fight the Cloud of Darkness. Okay. Because they love making references to the other games. Gilgamesh shows up.
0: Yeah, do you do it, <laughs> it with just your original party or do they go full on with the reference?
1: Oh, you have to You have to team up with like 24 people or 23 people to fight it. So it's, it's not just you. It's a whole kind of team of people. I don't know what the reference would be, but I do believe you're working with a team called Noah which okay. is named after an archmage, I believe, who may or may not have shown up in 3 somewhere.
2: Yeah,
0: the the reference in 3, in a lot of these games, there, you know, there's crystals and the four warriors of light are each paired to one of the four crystals. Yep. Final Fantasy 3, they've got the stats rigged so that the four warriors of light are actually incapable of defeating the Cloud of Darkness. <gasps> so after you lose, the four warriors of dark show up through their portal and pick up the fight where you left off and you get to control it.
1: There is something similar going on in fourteen here and there. They do kind of touch on Warriors of Darkness, because you are the Warrior of Light in the game. That's your character, and that's what you're referred to as when they can't be bothered using your name. And the Warriors of Dark show up, but you basically kick their ass because you're awesome, and you're the main character.
0: Yeah, in in this one, the Warriors of Dark are much better with the offensive magics, but not as good with the healing magics, which are skills. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, they did that. So anyway... Yeah, 5 I would also point to as a starting point, if you're ready for Final Fantasies and are an experienced RPG player, because you get the Final Fantasy mechanics, you get to start, and what they, the, what the villain there is not just a cloud. It's something else <laughs> unique, and they make it work, which is unexpected. If you're not familiar with RPGs overall, and you don't know if you want to play a 50 or 60 hour game to find out if you like it, then I would actually point you to Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, Knowing that it's designed to be an RPG with a serious set of training wheels, so that you could spend five or six hours on it and know if you like the genre.
1: Hmm. Cool. Now I all we have to do is finish up by playing every single version of the Chocobo
0: theme. <laughs> oh, and there's like ten from Final Fantasy Nine alone. <laughs> there's the Tango to Chocobo, there's the Flamenco de Chocobo. Chocobo.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Well anyway, yeah. I'm happy that we had I think the first official crossover of the two true freaks yep. in Bureau forty two. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
1: Wow, that was a long time, though. Yes. And I think we covered most of everything. We didn't have time to go really in-depth on any of the games, because
0: if we did, we would still be here tomorrow. Yeah, a a lot of these games, we could do an hour each. (laughs) But this is 30 years of Final Fantasy, not 30 years of podcasting. Yeah, but yes, thank you very much for kind of getting me along to do this with you. And thanks for joining. For those who who haven't heard, Dave had me on as a guest on No Consoles for Old Men in late 2016, early 2017. We recorded in 2016. I forget exactly when it was released. You know, so he and his regular co-host Scott McGregor and I all went through what we were looking forward to in the coming year. And that's when Dave and I started talking about this. But as <laughs> Scott was saying, he'd basically be sitting and listening because he hasn't played the franchise. Well, we kind of did this one on our own and... Hopefully he doesn't mind. Like Hopefully. So, I mean, No Consoles for Old Men is about video games for people who are playing on the PC and not on consoles, which is probably why he hasn't played them. So it's not it's not a perfect fit for that show, but if we've got four and a half hours of video game talk...
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of them that are out for PC. A lot of them have been released on there. I mean, I've got eight, and I think I have a version of 13 sitting somewhere, all for PC. Seven and was I've there, got,
0: both of the online yeah. ones were there. Actually, I can load up my Steam account and tell you which ones I've got there. I got all my music put onto my
1: computer, so my music is on there, too, from Final Fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I currently have a playlist of 36 hours worth of it. How long was your one going for? Because it was... it was,
0: was it two or three more days? Oh, it's 500 and some tracks. I forget the number of days. So for Steam, I've purchased 9, 10, 10-2, 13, 13-2, and Lightning Returns. Like I said, that's just the purchases. And then what else is available in the store? And actually come to think of it, I don't even have them all on here because if I had them other places, I took them off my wish list. Yeah, Final Fantasy V is in the store, but I think that's the only other one I left on the wish list because that yeah. was my favorite. But if <laughs> we just search Final Fantasy in the store, we have got 14, the 14 online starter kit, uh, 10, 10, 2, 7, 8, 11, 4, 3, Lightning Returns, 9. Mobius Final Fantasy is actually free as well through Steam. Oh, cool. Final Fantasy 5, 13, 6, 13-2. Final Fantasy 15 Windows Edition is due in early 2018, so it's not quite there yet. Get there eventually. Yeah, Type-0 is available. Final Fantasy IV The After Years, the complete thing is available. World of Final Fantasy, 14. It's Storm just new. Yeah, 14 Online Edition, the complete one. And now I'm getting into Niho, Final Bravely, Fantasia. So now these are yeah. ones that aren't actually Final Fantasy games. Similar to, I guess. Yeah, they're, when you search Final Fantasy, some have Final, some have Fantasy. Some of them are seem to be other RPGs that want to just catch the Final Fantasy audience. Yes. If I search for Chocobo, that <laughs> does restrict it to actual Final Fantasies and some game called Blind Love. okay. Do you get to fall in love with a Chocobo? A band struggling with love without sight. Love, it's easy to find, and it's easy to spark. The challenge of love is actually maintaining it. Sum total of all reviews, 100% of the 39 reviews are positive. Okay. But I have no idea why Chocobo is ser- coming up in a search term. There's some weird games out there. Yes. Oh, that's because one of the voice actors is named Warky T Chocobo. Okay.
1: I wonder if that person may or may not be a, a, a Final Fantasy fan.
0: At the very least, I'm betting that's not the name he was born with. Unless he has some really interesting parents. Yeah. Worky e. T Chocobo. For those who are unfamiliar, work is the sound Chocobos make in the games. Sometimes quay, mostly qu- work. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so this I think finally wraps up our crossover at almost the five hour mark. The final release may <laughs> hit the five hour mark by the time we put in music clips for the music we were talking about. Yeah. Because we can't not do that. Not at this point. You have to hear it. Yeah. uh, So yes, thank you very much, and hopefully we'll get talking again. Hopefully. I'm sure we'll talk about something. Yeah. I'm not sure about the release schedules, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is released around the same time as my second appearance on Who True Freaks, which Dave also organized. Yeah. I I, I will be getting that edited sometime
1: soon. I've just had a bit of trouble getting to it. Sorry.
0: Yeah, (laughs) considering that we were talking about it's focused on Capaldi's appearance leading right into the Christmas special i was kind of assuming if it didn't come out in 2 or 3 weeks it would be coming out shortly before the christmas yeah. special aiming for then okay. yeah.
1: like i said got distracted well just need to get the editing okay
0: <laughs> well anyway that's something that listeners can look forward to Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you've enjoyed our show, please won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, two True, True Freaks. True Freaks.